excitement of the World Wrestling Federation has filled the Middle Ends Arena in SummerSlam. The wait, the anticipation is over. Now it's time to feel the heat. Hi everyone, I'm Tony Schiavone, joined in the broadcast location by Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, first of all, I'm gonna tell you, Schiavone, don't you get out of line with me because I wrestled, you're the man responsible for Bobby Heenan getting run off the air. So you stay in line with me. Well, don't you worry about that, Jesse Ventura. But tonight, the big main event, they're all talking about Hulk Hogan, Brutus the Barber Beefcake against the Macho Man and Zeus. Unbelievable, Zeus, that man of destruction. Can Hogan get to him? I don't think so. And from there, we also have the Intercontinental matchup and much more. Away we go! Again, and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. July is almost over. Can you believe it? I can. I can, man. It, the heat is unbelievable outside. And the storms, the daily storms, the humidity, everything about summer has been miserable this year. That's true. Except yesterday, God parted the clouds. It was supposed to rain and it didn't. We had a great birthday party for Nolan. It went off perfect without a hitch. And uh, for those of you who obviously don't know who I'm talking about... Alex, why don't you give them well, a little feedback in on it? Before we get into our news segment, there was a uh, a local tragedy that occurred, and there was a child that was in need, and you and your cousin organized an event for this child uh, after this tragedy occurred where uh, one of his parents was uh, sadly, uh, sadly passed away in rather unfortunate circumstances, and the other parent was taken away. We'll let you connect the dots. But you organized, and it also happened around this child's birthday. And on, on the way to his... His seventh birthday party and so when my cousin trey said hey man this is wrong i want to throw him a birthday party you know me because I, I told trey i was like i'm in but you know how i am i go big at everything i do go big or go home is i believe by that i live by that i go full blast so i called in favors we got the batmobile there we had bounce houses face painting funnel cakes we had birthday cakes we had uh, ice cream machines. We had everything was free. We had a ton of superheroes show up. I was signing autographs, taking pictures with kids, and uh, me and Nolan took a spin in the Batmobile. It was just, it was awesome. You made the best out of a terrible situation. You you did what you could, and what I tell people about you all the time is that you are one of the most charitable people that I know. You'll do anything for anybody. I don't want to get to Sasha Banks and Bailey from Raw on you and, right. and sit here and tell you how much I love you, but you really do have this this passion for people and a care for people and to do things for the community, and I really applaud you for that. Thank and. You. 
not only in addition to organizing the event, but you also even you even got AJ Styles, the WWE champion, yeah. who was out on the road, uh, took time. I know it doesn't take much, but it means a lot to somebody, uh, to a child who probably thinks of this man as a superhero. He cut a video just for Nolan, and uh, we'll, we'll include it here. But Yeah, just wishing him a happy birthday. And so, uh, Hey, what's up, Nolan? Phenomenal AJ Styles here, the WWE champion. And I was getting ready to walk out the door, get on the road, so I can defend my championship today, when I realized I needed to send you a happy birthday video. So happy birthday, and too sweet. And so, man, I gave him a wrestling name. We've all call, we've all just kind of coined it Nitro Nolan, man. He's... Nitro Nolan, so he'll be out of business in 2001. I think you should have gone with maybe, uh, I don't know, Raw Nolan, something yeah, well, more, you know. more continuing, but uh, that's a really sweet thing of you to do. And, no, it, uh, yeah, it, it just it went off so well, man. It was it was really worth it, and we uh, we raised money, and uh, the money's still coming in, so I don't have a final total, but uh, we wanted to pay for his mother's funeral and to send him and his family his you know the rest of his family to disney and so uh we don't know yet if we've succeeded at that goal but hopefully we have um just it man it went so well and uh just when we thought it was going to start raining because clouds rolled in we got like a two minute tiny little sprinkle here or there they moved and just rainbow shot right over where we were at at the park and it just man it was it was awesome it really was well, and I just hope that this is a continued effort on your part and the, the, the people that support him and that this is an ongoing thing. This is not something that he's going to just one day be over. This yeah, no, is something you don't get over. No, um, him, uh, me and his uh, his family, his aunt and, and his grandmother and uh, the rest of his family, we've uh, just within like 48 hours have become very close and... Uh, Hey, kudos to everybody as well that pulled this thing off. My cousin Trey said I wanted to do this, and I hopped on board, and then others hopped on board, and with literally within four days, we pulled off this this amazing thing. So kudos to everyone who was involved in this. I can't take the credit for it. Trey can't take full credit for it. None of us. We we all. It was Trey's idea, and we all just jumped on board and was like, "Hey, man, I'll do this. I'll do this. I got this coming. I got that coming. I got this coming." And we, we all just, as a community, came together to to give this little boy something that hopefully he'll remember for the rest of his life. So it's, it's you know, just kudos to everyone involved, man. It wasn't, I, I can't sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I did this. Because, man, I didn't. I just made some phone calls and called in some favors and was able to pull off some, some, some stuff. But, I mean, everybody else from donating bouncy houses, from donating petting zoos, pony rides, from donating to... uh. Uh, you know, their time to dress up like superheroes and uh, from going around and uh, making funnel cakes and making birthday cakes and making, you know, um, cupcakes and making uh, milkshakes and ice cream cones and just, man, it's just so much. It was just like, literally, it was like a mini carnival for this kid's birthday party. We had magicians there and you had clowns and it was just like, just... Uh, Everywhere you turned and looked, you just saw more and more. But not Doink the Clown. No, he not he makes kids cry, bro. Yeah, we didn't have Doink. But uh no, nah, it was just it was done so well and it, it just went off without a hitch and uh it was honest to God, you know, Trey 
He's, he needs the full credit of all this. It was his idea. I just hopped on board and the rest of us did too. And it, we pulled this off for Nolan and it was great. It was wonderful. And, uh, you know, it was just, God, it was just, uh, the, the, to see the smile after what had happened, to give him time to be a kid, you know, to enjoy a birthday party and, and try to put what has happened in, in the back of his mind. Um, it was just, it made every, every ounce of it worth it. You're making me feel like a real shit, because uh, my use of my time on Saturday did not go that well. I was uh, at my other job uh, watching a plane land, uh, yeah. Patrick. That, that's what I was doing in my time. Well, While you a- were out helping the community and changing the world, uh, I was watching a plane land. So uh, you can also read about that in our... If you Google Chattanooga News from the past week in July, you will find all the stories of yeah. which we're talking about. It was uh, quite a crazy week, but once again, like I said, man, you are a very charitable dude, and uh, I'm I'm really proud of you. I'm proud to have you as my friend. Thank you. Okay, time to get into wrestling news now. Tough turn. I don't really know how to segue into wrestling news now. It is called the Retro Wrestling Podcast, so we will get into current wrestling and then get into our retro review. But what do you have for us from the news desk? Howard Finkel reportedly has had a stroke. We're not sure in that. I don't have verification in that. Yes, this is a speculation on Jerry Lawler's part, apparently. This was something he spoke about on his podcast or in some publication where he believes that Howard Finkel had a stroke. Howard Finkel, 68 years old. I would have never guessed he's 68. No, I would have thought he was like early 50s. Usually when I see bald people, I think, oh, that adds a lot of age to you. But Finkel has always looked pretty young to me. I don't know. Well, it's because Uh, he was bald even back in the 80s. Sort of like Mean Gene. Mean Gene has always looked the opposite way. Mean Gene's always looked old to me. And so even now that he is old, he doesn't look that different than he did in the 80s or whatever. Uh, But yeah, Howard Finkel, hopefully... In good health. One of the, uh, my favorite ring announcer, really, from the WWF. Iconic. Was at almost every single WrestleMania. We yeah. went to the one, of course, that he didn't show up to, because that's the luck we have. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, was part of Raw 25, was not there in person, but did record a message, which, that could be a sign of, of some trouble there, and I just hope the best for the Fink. I mean, uh, not only his contributions as an announcer, but as an on-screen character. A lot of wrestlers were able to play off of him. He even had a few matches. Uh, He had the Lillian feud that we covered a few weeks ago. Yeah. Some of the unwritten heroes of the WWF success are the ring crew, the the referees, and the announcers. And Howard Finkel is is definitely among that. Uh, Yeah. He's he's the voice. He is. And and I was shocked this week when... Michael Buffer comes out and says that he believes Lillian Garcia is the best ring announcer of all time. And I'm going, there's Fink in that in that discussion somewhere. There has to be. But I, I was blown away by that being, you know, the news of Fink's health breaks and then this comes out too. And I'm going, wait, what? I dare say a lot of people think Michael Buffer is actually the greatest of all time. So if you're asking the greatest who the greatest is, he's not going to say himself. Uh, But also, I love Tony Chimmel. Tony Chimmel was one of my favorite announcers, the original Raw announcer before Lillian. I really enjoyed his work. Michael's half-brother Bruce in the UFC is a phenomenal announcer. Bruce is good. And uh, Gary Michael Capetta. Oh, man. Well, yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) 
our personal friend. The world's most dangerous. The world's most dangerous ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta. He's definitely always has to be a part of that. And tonight on SummerSlam 89, uh, you know... Rugged Ronnie Garvin might be in the uh, the, the consideration. That is here. true. I loved his ring announcing. He did. He did a great job tonight. Um, interesting take by Michael Buffer. The thing is, though, and the thing I've always complained about Lillian is that there's nothing about her announcing style that makes her stand out. I don't want to make this sound sexist or whatever, but I can tell the difference between Tony Chimmel, Justin Roberts, Michael Buffer, Bruce Buffer. I can hear all the cadences, yeah. the differences. You can, you can, you can tell in their voice who it is without the camera being on them. The example I'm going to use, it sounds, it sounds bad because she's, I mean, it's another female, JoJo and Lillian. If you played two matches they're calling back-to-back and said who's who without showing me them on camera, don't fucking know. No fucking. They don't have a cadence. They don't have a style. They don't have a catchphrase. They have no showmanship right. to their announcing. And I think that's always been my knock against Lillian. There's, It's not even that her voice, because a voice... I, I don't have a traditionally good radio voice. A lot of There's a guy that works across the hall from me at the radio station, Joe Cook, has a beautiful beautiful radio voice one of the greatest radio voices i've ever heard he has no personality he has nothing to say but he has a great voice and it identifies him patty sanders our midday lady at sunny iconic voice in this yeah. city and she does have stuff to say but there's nothing about lillian that i've ever thought man you know that that really sticks out to right. me her singing is actually probably the one thing that people remember about her is singing the national anthem after 9-11 that's it i mean is there a memorable lillian call that you can think of is there some you know imagine like that uh, last week great example we watched money in the bank 2011 okay justin roberts was the announcer could you imagine lillian in that role introducing cm punk no it just it wouldn't have the same effect announcing is so hard I think it's it's harder than commentating because you have to define yourself. And Lillian never had a defining characteristic to me, in my opinion. She had a job there for a really long time. In fact, she came back to her job and then left to take care of her father, who sadly since passed away. But she's been brought back for, for guest spots since then. And she is talented. Yeah. But... It's not what I'm looking for. If I was running a wrestling promotion, even I'd even take David Penzer, who a lot of people would knock as being a little generic. I love David Penzer, but he had there was something to there was something there. I'm biased. I mean, he's the he was the best known Nitro. He had a wonderful cummerbund right there with him and him and Gary Capetta. So I'm biased on those two. They will always be high ranking in my. In my heart and in my, my writing skills. Ignore all my criticism, because I'm not fucking Michael Buffer, the world's most famous announcer. So, if he says she's the best, that's that weighs way more than any fucking podcaster can say, so... And she's got her millions of dollars. Not the, the, not, you know. You're not just any podcaster, you're a radio host, you're a podcaster, but, you're you know, TV... But I'm not Michael Buffer. I've never, I've never ring announced. I couldn't do it. I, that's just something I've never been an MC. Well, I would make like a Earl terrible. Well, it's like Hector saying he's not me, but you know what? He tries to be. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But that was a very strange news story, though, that we read right before he came <laughs> was, on the air. That, like, was, I just, that was different. I was shocked. Because he primarily worked in WCW. He only made a couple of appearances in WWE. And so, and I don't see him as a wrestling fan, so I'm kind of curious as to know what portfolio of work he reviewed to make his decision. But anyway, a great compliment for Lillian, nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, David Arquette. My boy, got back in the ring. He did, and he wore a Speedo, which uh, was crazy to me. He came off the top rope. He did. He did some aerial moves. He, uh, he, he however, lost. Yes, he failed spectacularly. He is now 3-3 three and three is, his re- is his professional wrestling record. That's correct. He has wins over Eric Bischoff twice, once in a tag match where he won the WCW World Title. He has a singles victory over him, and he has a singles victory over Tank Abbott. That's correct, the uh, former mixed martial artist. He also, but he lost in a tag match on Raw, a random tag match on Raw. And of course, we reviewed the episode, uh, the Triple Cage, where right. he purposely lost. And now does he, that really count if he purposely lost? See, I don't lose, think so. so. I don't think it does. I really believe he's three and two. Three, two, and one, we'll yeah, say. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations to him for getting in a Speedo, number one, and uh, getting back into the ring. He at has, least, man, he wasn't like shiny pale ass white he was at least tanned to some degree you know for a guy that's not an athlete he has nothing to be ashamed of the wwe well they're bringing in enough people as it as it is but uh, they could build something around him though i'd rather have him as Over a gm the, than angle well, i'm just saying the training regiment and the learning at the performance as center. long as shane is uh, doing the mickey from rocky thing <laughs> you're in <laughs> i'm in i'm sold you sold me Catch your chicken! You gotta be greasy, fast speed! Get him! Get Austin! Punch him! Go! <laughs> Make that colonel proud! <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to see him. I And I still t- <laughs> still agree he should be in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Already. Already. Oh, he should have been one of the first inductees. I think so, too. If you're if you're putting in the likes of President Trump, and you're, well, right. you're putting... If you... You're, you should put him in. If you put... If you had an order of which they should go in, honestly, this is going to be controversial pick. But my number one pick for celebrity. Okay, let's go. Let's go through this very quickly. Don't put a lot of thought into it. Okay. Your number one overall celebrity pick to go in first. I'm taking Cindy Lauper. Rock and Wrestling Connection, MTV. That was, and she was a huge star at the time, and that was mainstream exposure. That's when MTV was MTV. Yeah. I would take her as first. I, I would agree with that. Cindy Lauper, then I would take uh, Mr. T. Yes. Yes. So so far we're in 100% agreement. David Arquette. David Arquette. Exa- Dude, we are, this is the first, I think this is the first time in the history we are right along with each other. And then you look at the likes of, of outsiders who have come in to help. I also believe Muhammad Ali should be in there. I think at four I'm taking Tyson. Yeah, Tyson, I agree. Four. Tyson at four. Four. Um, Muhammad Ali still needs to be in there because but his, he his just early, didn't have his enough early, his, late, his late seventies and early eighties stuff when he was doing for Vince Senior with well when Gorilla he, Monsoon the Anoki fight building up for the Anoki fight. Which uh, hey, I learned something. I did not know this about that whole fight. You know why Anoki that match was so shitty and why Anoki wasn't allowed on his feet? Muhammad Ali. 
thought, oh shit, and got cold feet last minute before he got in the ring for that fight and was going to back out and not come. He was not going to come out of the locker room. And so they had to promise him so he wouldn't look like a dumbass that Anoki would stay on his on the his back, basically, the whole time unless Muhammad Ali got knocked off his feet. Then if he was off his feet, Anoki could stand. I never knew that. Our top four is pretty much in alignment. I think that fifth spot, we could probably debate the fifth spot. I like Jim Carrey. I think he's a hilarious comedian. You mean Drew Carrey. Drew Carrey, sorry. No, he's no. he did he, one thing. Yeah, I don't... I he. There are so many other deserving people that he should not be. I think number five, Bob Euchre. I think Bob Euchre... Pat... Well... uh, um, See, this fifth spot... No, your fifth spot is is, um, Pete Rose. He did great things, but I think... But dude, that the image of Andre choking Bob Euchre is one of those things that's replayed almost as much as Andre getting slammed. True, but I mean, Pete Rose getting... You know, the whole the for like four years now. There, are we keeping this to WWF or are we expanding to WCW? Because Leno should be probably number five. No, works. This is world. This is wrestling. Com- wrestling as a whole. I don't give a shit if it's. Oh well. Okay. Then, yeah. Then we have to reorganize our list because Kaufman. Oh fuck! I forgot about that. Kaufman should definitely number one. Yeah. So we've just bumped every. So we've got our top five. Kaufman, and then you got to put, uh, I think, uh, Carl Malone, Malone, and you got to put, you got to put. Um, we've already got our five. Okay, so, so Kaufman, Lopper, yeah. Mister T, yes, Arquette, and number five. Uh, number five was Tyson. Tyson. Kaufman got them. Kaufman was a Kaufman got pro wrestling on mainstream media back in the seventies. When it wasn't, and he was great at it too. Like, Fuck, yeah, we dude. talk about he it. He got the time. so much heat, man. He got he got scary heat. There's a difference with he getting didn't. heat, and then the, the, when there's a thing called heat and scary heat. When you get scary heat, that's when you know you're having to fight your way back to the locker room. Well, and he had he had scary heat with police having to escort him back and and forth to the ring. Well, I mean, it was bad. And he also saw that he also saw this as an as the art that it is. Oh, it wasn't yeah. like someone like Dennis Rodman who's taken a nap on the turnbuckle. You know, this was somebody who respected it, understood it, yeah. understood the psychology behind who's it. A, who I still think is a brilliant comedian and way ahead of his time in you know, things that's, that he did. I think he was so out in left field that some of it didn't didn't hit with me. And, really? And, that's, and I respect that yeah. he tried it because yeah. he had the balls to try it. Yeah. But well, coming from someone who's done comedy, stand-up comedy, yes. But I went very straightforward. I mean, I I basically did a Tonight Show monologue. I did current events one through five, and just did a straight monologue. I didn't get up there. I mean, the Mighty Mouse thing is just something that's just so out of left field. But that part was that that's really funny. But you know, when he gets up there and reads Great Expectations or whatever, or, or no, when he gets up there and reads Great Gatsby, and yeah. just to put just like just to piss when the joke off. is on you, yeah, and that that's something that can be good. But sometimes he just. It was a swing and a miss. And See, but that's wrestling. That that is yeah. wrestling to an art form. Is that you know what you don't like what I'm doing, so I'm going to do something even worse and go grab and read the entire book of The Great Gatsby 
in one reason and one reason only. That's to, a heel move. To piss you off. Yeah. That is a heel move. That is wrestling to a core. And so, yeah, no, Kaufman needs to be in there. Kaufman needs to already be in there. And so, yeah, I agree 110%. Yeah, he. I, I can't believe we I, we forgot him at yeah. first. That's, I feel bad about that. I mean, you that. have a shirt with the man. <laughs> I do. The women's world champ. Yeah. The intergender heavyweight champion. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, so Ring of Honor. Now, you know, the, you know the ins and outs of this. I know just the basics. Ring of Honor tried to book Madison Square Garden for a wrestling show. Yes, yeah, so there was an interview. Uh, currently, the parent company of Ring of Honor is, is, is a group called Sinclair Broadcast Group. Sinclair Broadcast Group is the largest television provider in this country, actually. Local television provider. They they own affiliates. They have an ABC affiliate in this city, a CBS in this city. They have... And they, all, they own Ring of Honor. They do. That is one of their side projects. Currently, they're preoccupied because they're trying to buy another media group called Tribune Media. And if they buy Tribune Media, they will become even larger. Tribune Media... A conglomerate. Would would that be a fair assumption? They would become almost a big-time player. Almost in the same league as like a Disney or a a Fox or in in that same NBC, in that kind of league. I'm with you. In that ballpark. So currently they're involved with that. And so this reporter from, I believe it was a reporter from the Baltimore Sun-Times had the CEO for a second. And instead of talking about the Tribune merger, which he probably didn't want to talk about, they said, well, what, what about Ring of Honor? What have you got coming up? And he mentioned All In. So Ring of Honor, even though All In is not really their show, they consider it part of their show. Right. And they touted its success. Then he mentions, we're booking Madison Square Garden next year. And this set off alarms in Stanford. MSG has long had this relationship with Vince, almost an exclusive deal with where, the McMahon family. Not yes, even, I mean Vince goes back Vince years. Senior for yeah. And I don't. And clearly, it's not something that's on paper, but just something that was understood. It's a handshake agreement per se. Yeah, that yeah. we run this. That's it. Yeah. No one else is coming in here. Now you could run. Uh, MSG has little side arenas that WCW would sometimes run and some other promotions would run, but MSG, the the big MSG, no, no, no. There's been been four MSG locations, right? No, this is the same one. It's a classic. It's it's the original. Oh, it's the original. Okay, I thought there was four different. No, they've renovated it and stuff, but it's that's why it's so historical because it's actually one of the. It's a small arena right. compared to modern day arenas, but it's very expensive to run in New York City. When you run anything, you have to have union people put the ring together. You can't do it yourself. Yeah, you, it's very expensive. It's it's very expensive to run. So a lot of people, even if they wanted to, couldn't run it. WWE gets word of this, calls up MSG, says, "No, no, no, you can't do that." But at the same time, MSG is pissed off because they're running SummerSlam and Takeover and Raw and SmackDown. They're doing four nights at the Barclays Center. WWE messed up its own relationship with Madison Square Garden. And so Madison Square Garden said, no, we're going to go ahead and take their money because you're fucking us. And they're going to run it the day before WrestleMania, which is happening over at the uh, football stadium next year. 
Right. And then the rest of that stuff, I think, is happening at Barclays around WrestleMania. So even when they had the opportunity, even WWE had the first right of refusal, basically, to come use MSG after WrestleMania, they said no. Well, see, they've gotten to the point now where they would rather go to New York and they would rather do, like, the football stadium or go hit the Manhattan Center for, you know, Raw 25 or whatever. Which I'm all for the. Well, they don't even want to. They they're not going to do that ever again. I think that's it. Well, I'm just saying, why not run Raw 25 from Madison Square Garden in the Manhattan Center? Why would you run it from some other rinky-dink place if it's such a you know magnificent historic show? Well, take it back to where WWE's magnificent historic roots are, which is you know Madison Square Garden, the Manhattan Center. Well, I'm just saying, but. But I'm just saying, if you're going to do two locations, WWE yeah. as a whole, you you take pride in your roots being at Madison Square Garden, and because the whole thing is, you know, Bruno sold out Madison Square Garden 187 times and 188 if you count his Hall of Fame, and you know, uh, just all this and the well, fun. and they still run very successful house shows there. I mean, very to this successful. day, Ring of Honor got New Japan on board, and when they got on board, there was no way that MSG was going to turn them down because you have the hottest property right now. The hottest property in the pro wrestling world is the Bullet Club, and between New Japan and Ring of Honor, you get everybody. Yeah. And you get and you get Kenny Omega, who well that's Bullet Club, but you get Okada, you get all these superstars, yeah, and you're gonna sell it out, yeah. And WWE picked the wrong, they picked the wrong fight. The WWE is a billion dollar company, but what Sinclair is about to purchase Tribune for, if this merger goes through, it's in some jeopardy right now. They're buying Tribune for like close to three, so you're almost a smaller company now. So, and the original plans for Sinclair... Uh, three, three million? Three billion. Three billion, okay. With a B, yeah. With um, the original plans for the Tribune takeover, they were not going to take uh, WGN, um, the Superstation. I think that is now part of the plan. You're in some trouble when your competition has their own cable channel. I know you have your own network. Well, it takes you right back to, to Turner. And the Monday Night Wars. You're going so, to start having Ring of Honor and New Japan. Who well, have a working arrangement. Yeah. Who have a working arrangement running live on Monday nights and Friday nights. Because they're going to... If I if I know how Ring of Honor is, which I do, they want to they wanna, they wanna take that step. And they want to be the next thing. They know how close they are. They know how close they are. And they know... That if we're going to take it to them, we're not going to be like TNA and we're going to do it just on Monday nights. You go head-to-head every single show, every Raw and every SmackDown, and I got a feeling that's what they're going to attempt to do. And they may pull it off. Well, we we might see a Monday Night Wars all over again. Back in the second attempted Monday Night Wars, the thing that TNA didn't do is study their competition and say, what are they doing that we can do different? They tried to be a clone. Vince put his thumb right on the end of that when the very first night that they decided to go head-to-head, Vince brings Bret Hart back for the first time in 15 years. He did, but Impact still drew. That was their biggest night ever. Impact still drew 1.4 million. Yeah. 
and you didn't put a product together enough to keep them coming back. And by the way, something that's forgotten about that 2010 war is that they weren't on Monday night the next week. It wasn't It wasn't until a few weeks later they said, well, let's give it another go. Right. Impact didn't see what, what was lacking. You don't want to do a different version of the same thing. You need to go and... and that's what Ring of Honor and New Japan are doing right now. They're putting the best in-ring product in there. They're focusing on simple storylines. They're not worried about uh, PR. They're not worried about, you know, these convoluted, scripted storylines. It's it's simplistic. It works. And they're making a lot of money on merchandise. And they're doing things different. It's different. It feels different. They're global sales. I mean, how many people... I can't imagine how many people go on New Japan Pro Wrestling and buy Bullet Club shirts. And they're in Hot Topic. And there's, that's coming from that's coming from Tokyo. I mean, so that's one... Like you said, they're in Hot Topic. They're in, they're in the USA market, and they're not even in the USA. So... That speaks volumes for what they've accomplished and what Ring of Honor has accomplished with merging with them to try to have a working relationship together. More people know who the Young Bucks are than any tag team in the WWE. Oh, that's true. Superkick. You say Superkick. Melter Driver. You see, you say Superkick now. Superkick Party, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, that's the first thing on their mind is the Young Bucks. And I'm sorry, I still think the Briscoes are the best tag team that the Ring of Honor has. Now, it's not a knock. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Ring of Honor talent well, is good friends of mine. The but. thing is, the thing about the Briscoes is they'll, they'll never be able to be branded like the Young Bucks no, can be branded. They won't. The pay per view we're about to review, the Brain Busters, were an incredible tag team, but they're oh, not. God, they're, yes. they're not marketable. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the knock against them. That's that. Yeah, that flat out is. Well, we'll get into it, but I, I consider that to be one of the greatest tag team matches we've covered. Oh God, don't know. Jeez, here we go. We're one of, here. not the best. One of the. It was a great pairing in on paper. When you tell me that, oh my God, we're going to get the Hart Foundation and you know the Brainbusters. I'm thinking, oh, you get Bret Hart and Bret Tully. Hart in his prime. He was moving at the speed of light, and, and Tully I, Blanchard and Arn Anderson still in their prime. And you've got doesn't it blow your mind? By the way, this this is off topic, but Arn Anderson and Kevin Nash are the same age. That's fucked up. <laughs> and Arn looks and we talked about age and stuff Arn looks 20 years older than he does but they are the same age that's just it's weird because Kevin Nash's birthday was earlier this week so I just I saw that and and I was like you know what he's that old I bet he's about the same age as Arn holy shit they're the same fucking age (laughs) like that is nuts well, and that just makes God. This is gonna make me sound bad. That just makes me go right back to them impersonating his retirement speech. Yeah, the cheek of that motherfucker <laughs> to walk out with the, the the old man making you that same fucking age. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about because it's like the son of a bitch. Like you're the same age. And- <laughs> You you already are taking something that is traumatic and horrible for this legendary wrestler to have his career cut short, and you're the same, him old. You're the same fucking age, and you're you're doing you're making fun of the fact that it's happened when it could be you, asshole. You know, so that's funny. That's fucking funny. 
Jeez. What else you got, pal? Last but certainly not least. Oh, tomorrow. Stephanie McMahon has a historic major announcement. Well, anytime Stephanie speaks, it's historic. That's that's be honest. She is pregnant. She's no, pregnant. No, that's not what we have it is. a fourth generation McMahon. She's pregnant with Ted Turner's baby. It's crazy the swerve that we're gonna take. <laughs> Um, no, uh... <laughs> the Monday Night Wars <laughs> explode again. I'm thinking women's tag team belts or women's pay-per-view. I'm leaning towards women's pay-per-view. I'm thinking it's both. Because if you're making... If you're going to change history, you're saying, listen, Ring of Honor's already done, you know, Women of Honor. Impact has... Well, and they done, they've done the May Young Classic. Impact. That's basically a pay-per-view. Impact's already running a solid woman's uh, pay-per-view. So... Well, okay, so a question about the women's tag belts. Are they floating or now we need two pairs? They gotta float. You don't have enough women. Yeah. Well, that's what what I think, too, but it's it's one of those two things, I think. If you're gonna make it historic, it's gotta be women's tag belts, because that's something that... What about you, you this? Kinda, you kind of hint with it when you had Team Flawless, when you had Michelle McCool and Layla. Well, now they've got the Iconics. They've got um, Sasha and the Bailey. Riot squad. Uh, the Riot Squad. It seems it seems like that's the logical step. I would say the other option is a woman's mid card belt. Oh yeah, like a a, whim, a woman's intergender or uh, a or, woman's IC belt. Or yeah, IC. I mean, or intercontinental, not intergender. Uh, or you know, yeah, I, women's European title. <laughs> they could actually just use the European title. I mean, am I lying though? You know, you can't do another intercontinental. You can't do another United States. But you got the European title laying there, and you're not doing shit with it. I'm I, leaning towards tag belts. I, I would love if women's tag tag title. Okay, so I saw just... We went there earlier, so I'm just going to fucking go there again. I saw a thing on Facebook, and it actually made me laugh. And it made me answer this fan's question. They put up a picture of Rockstar Spud, Kurt Angle, Paige, and... um, Angle. And uh, William Regal. Uh And said, which GM... Because obviously Regal's NXT, Rockstar Spud's uh, 204... And uh, you know, Raw. Well, now, now they've got an NXT UK commissioner too. We're adding to that. Oh, I, are I we? forgot his name already. Fuck, Johnny Saint. Really? Yeah, Johnny Saint. So we have tons of commissioners. Okay, so out of those five, who's the best? Who's the best commissioner? Who's the best GM? Regal, hundred percent. See, that's what I said. I that's what, there's no debate. That's what I said because because Regal says something and you're like. That motherfucker can you either do it or he can back it up and make you do it. Well, not like, only that, he's the best matchmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had two five star matches this year on the on the NXT brand, and like the last main roster one was Money in Bank 2011. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're exactly right. I mean, if if I don't even watch NXT, but I'm thinking, dude, Regal, because I even think back to 2001 when he was acting commissioner. That shit was good, dude. He put on some really good fucking. I think cards. that's why they kept him around so long. Like that, when he took over for Foley and people, like everybody's like, "Oh fuck, William Regal." Well, but we, no, listen, he he. Really, we know he doesn't actually make the match. Let's just be clear that they're not. He's not the one with the pencil. But but as far as an 
on-screen authority a figure that doesn't come across like a fucking moron yeah. that makes matches you want to see no tagged uh, ta- no Teddy Long holla holla that's thrown in a tag team oh, match see, brother I love Teddy but well he was fun but he just sucked as a GM <laughs> um, or you know we could go back to GM Booker T I mean the the list of GMs is, is see I think that was a rib on, on Teddy Long a running rib of just you know what we're gonna make you Force tag team matches down people's throats. But there's no doubt. I mean, William Regal is... And he's had some health problems, too, recently. Uh, I don't watch NXT week to week, but he's been off screen for quite a while. So there's something going on with him as well. Uh, He has been mentioned, though, so hopefully he's okay as well. He's had a history of health problems. Anything else I have on that list? No, that's it, man. That's it. Stephanie McMahon's giving birth to Ted Turner's baby that's crazy that's i can't it. that's gonna be shocking it, it turns out it's jason jordan is her baby as well. <laughs> her and kurt angle hooked up horn swallows her illegitimate child you little <laughs> bastard <laughs> all right so you you took us this week back to the land of SummerSlam 1989 it was feel the heat patrick you can I feel felt the heat, heat. And holy shit, this was a great pay-per-view. There was some greatness to be found, but there was some uh some some dead dead spots really? as well. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't call this, you know, one of the a top tier. This was still when the company was very hot. It's August twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine, in front of twenty thousand fans at the East Rutherford, New Jersey, Brendan Bryan Arena, which is the Meadowlands Arena, the Izod Center, which is closed. No longer exists in twenty eighteen. RIP. WWE ran that quite often, even after it changed over to the Izod Center. SummerSlam 89, this is the first one held there. They held SummerSlam 97, King of the Ring 2001, which Shane McMahon will remember quite well. Oh, God. And SummerSlam 2007. Also, Ric Flair won his seventh world title at a WCW show at this arena. So a uh, a notable uh, pro wrestling arena. No WrestleMania, though. King uh, of the Ring 2001 and SummerSlam 97 are probably the two biggest. What was SummerSlam 97 headlined? It was Brett and Taker, and Sean had to be the or was that guest Summer's- referee. No, Sean had to oh, be. Oh, right. The chair. And that was. Who little- did he mean the chair for? But, dude, that was the biggest SummerSlam of the Attitude Era, in my opinion. Like, people still talk about that pay-per-view. It set things up great for the rest of the year. It, I, oh, God, that was a great pay-per-view. WrestleMania five was the pay-per-view before this. This is when the Mega Powers Trump explode! Plaza, Trump Plaza was no longer available because the Mega Powers exploded blew it, up. It, blew it all off the face of the planet. The first terrorist attack near New York City oh, was when the Mega to, Powers exploded. You need to edit that out. <laughs> no, that's a, that was the first one. The Mega Powers... Exploded. That's horrible. You shouldn't compare it to that. I spent most of today trying to actually rebook this pay-per-view because... Oh, okay. I'm, now, I'm with you. We can get to uh, at the end of the show, but... Wouldn't you think, at the end of the Mega Powers Explode, that that should be... That's the blow-off. That's the culmination of Randy Savage as a heel and Hulk Hogan. Why does he need to keep going as a heel? He needs to ride that. 
Because, I mean, you only had... He lost. But you only had him being a heel for... A year. Not even that. Not even, right. Half a year. Not Hardly not even that. Like, he, he turned heel four months leading into WrestleMania. He needed to ride that wave for two more years. And I feel like turning him, riding that wave with all the way... I think they did it right. I truly believe so. With it, them riding that wave from... Uh, from when he turned on Hogan... To losing his career in the career ending match with Warrior at WrestleMania 7. He rode that from WrestleMania 5 to 7, a two year run, and it was an it was an unforgettable two year run with Sensational Sherry. Because man, you paired Sherry with anybody, and God, people just hated you. I just think you had some other good heels in the works, especially like Mr. Perfect. You had some people in development. Oh, I agree. That I mean Warrior is clearly, you know, the baby face on the rise, but I think that I'll get into it in the main event. But I, I don't, I almost think you could just book a singles match between Hogan and Zeus and make it five minutes or whatever and just skip Brutus. And I know Zeus can't work, I know, but I've seen other big men that cannot work. Zeus is actually a Zeus, is a better worker than El Gigante. You know why? They kept him basic. Right, yeah. He didn't do a damn thing. They kept no, they booked him very smartly. They booked him very smartly. They kept but, him ba- he didn't he didn't even come in and throw punches. He threw he threw forearms to the back and a bear hook. But But are you saying that, that shouldn't have been the main event? We can't talk about SummerSlam eighty nine without mentioning No Holds Barred the movie. Which oh yes, is one of your fine gifts of many gifts you have brought to me is Hulk Hogan as Rip uh, in No Holds Barred the movie, uh, which was uh, produced by Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, and the bad guy is Zeus, and it had a lot of actual well-known celebrities for this time in in the movie. It did, and. Uh, Tiny Lister, though, playing Zeus is the main foil to Hogan's character. Now, this is before wrestling had a pay-per-view month to month. So, this movie came out in June. In today's world, that would mean if you're going to do anything about this, you're going to do it in June. So, now it has to be in August. Now, the movie's almost out of theaters. You know, I don't know what theatrical runs were in 1989. A lot longer. They were probably longer, but I highly doubt this was still top build. You know, didn't make a lot of money. This took place August 28th, 1989. The number one film at the box office was was The Adventures of Milo and Otis. A talking dog movie, remember? Gotcha. They traveled the world. It was a pug and another dog, I think. It was a lab and a pug, and they ended up... Yeah. Like I said... Might have been Golden Retriever. No Holds Barred debuted in June. So this is almost three months. I mean, close to three months June, later. July, August. June 2nd was the first week. It was... This is the end of August, so... Yeah. Almost three months later... It debuted number two. It debuted behind Dead Poets Society. It made a respectable sixteen million dollars. Uh, it only had a budget, I think, of eight million. 
Fuck the Hubble, it's money. Yeah, but with the advertising budget and all the other expenditures, it it probably broke even. It, it probably it didn't cost them anything. Now, which is always good. Yes, yeah, something WCW would never figure out. <laughs> you don't have a monthly pay per view, but you want to promote this movie because guess what, Patrick? In December, it's coming to pay per view. So you need to keep this fresh in people's minds. You need to give Hogan something to do because he doesn't have... Honestly, you probably could have done the Macho Man rematch here. But since you've got no holds barred, this is just a tough main event for me to try to rebook. It's really tough for me to rebook. Let me shoot an idea by you then. Okay. Beefcake and Zeus. Zeus comes in. He just demolishes and tears the shit out of Beefcake. Hogan and Savage. Mega Powers explode one more time for the rematch. Hogan beats the shit out of him. Okay. Now Hogan, St. Rocky, it's Rocky IV. Hogan just saw this new guy come in and take his buddy down and just completely wipe the floor with him. And he's hurt. He's hurting. Beefcake's hurting. He's down. He's out. He needs help. He needs help. You build for Survivor Series. Well, Survivor Series, Zeus, Hogan, December. That's November. So December, right out of the gate. Is Zeus at Survivor Series? Hold on. I'm just saying, Survivor Series is November. December is right out the gate. You got a Hogan. Uh, I mean, you're 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 riding that wave till that TV till that movie makes pay per view. The undercard of this, I thought, was excellent. It had some flaws, but the main event, it's just really hard for me to try to book right. with Macho as a heel. And Survivor Series doesn't mention No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is not part of the universe, the WWE universe, at Survivor Series. They wait until a December pay-per-view, which is not on the network, one of the few things not on the network, where they had one match on pay-per-view, the cage match, and then rolled the movie. It was called No Holds Barred, The Match, The Movie. And it was Zeus and Hogan in a cage? It was It was a rematch. It was Brutus and Hogan versus Savage and Zeus in a cage. It was the only match they showed, too. They had an undercard, but... And it was in Nashville. The undercard was not shown. It was in Nashville? It really? was, yeah. The undercard was not shown on TV. They showed one match... Yeah, so... I, I want to see this match. I don't know if it aired before or after the film was shown. Probably after, because it made people actually sit through the movie to... Because, like we... You're skimming over this. I want to see this fucking match. Why is it not on the network? Can we... Does anybody... That's bullshit. Is yeah. there footage out there of it? Is there any... I'm sure it's on YouTube or Daily Motion. We can, we can watch it after this. Okay. But it's now... only nine minutes. Hell, we can probably watch it. That can be our closing because usually I just put in a clip of whatever we yeah. can we can close with it. Okay. Um, All right. Because I'm intrigued now. <laughs> Actually, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, cage match happened with Zeus. Like, all right, we'll we'll discuss all this after. Let's go ahead and review. Now we the missed we missed the dark match. Uh oh, it's not on the network. Dino Bravo in one of his final appearances oh, probably damn. took out Coco Beware. Really? Yeah. That but uh, that was a good match. I don't know if the parrot was involved or not. There's no time given, but Dino Bravo defeated Coco Beware, the future tag team partner of Owen Hart. High energy with Owen Hart. Yeah. As uh, Anvil got fired for uh, puffing on the crack with uh, 
British Bulldog, so... Uh, really? He took a hike, yeah. Him and Bulldog? Yeah, well, I think Bulldog was a little more into it than he was, but they uh, they both... Let, well, also, Bulldog was HGH. That was the steroid scandal that took him out, but I think... I mean, and the new foundation, he did, he did have a stint with Owen there for a minute, but I think they saw... Owen was going to be a breakout single star. Like, Oh, yeah. And who are you going to pair Anvil? Tito? You know, I can't think of anyone to pair Anvil with that would... Anvil's so stationary. I love his look. He's got a great look. Anvil Anvil was always the power of the team. Right. So, so for that to happen, you either had to have a high flyer. Marty. Do <laughs> You laugh. I think that'd been a great tag team. Marty Jannetty and, and Jimmy Anvil Neidhart. So, because I mean that's that's almost like the Hart Foundation, but you're mixing the speed and the aerial tactics of the uh, you have the technician side of it of the Hart Foundation, but the speed and the aerial tactics of the Rockers. I think that'd been a great tag team. It'd been entertaining. Yeah, this is gonna take a lot of it, ain't it? <laughs> This is going to take a lot of editing, but back to the pay-per-view. Now the pay-per-view can officially start. As I mentioned, it is August 28th, 1989. Our announcer tonight, Tony Schiavone? Yes. What happened to my brain, Patrick? This guy doesn't belong. Someone here doesn't belong. When the hell did... I I literally forgot that Tony worked for Vince. He worked... For a year and a half. Yes, and he only did two pay-per-views, but yeah. he was on the shelf for like a year without being used. Yeah. And he was going to be Gorilla's replacement, and yeah. they said, nah, nah, not going to work. I'm pretty sure this pay-per-view is why it's not going to work, because the body. holy shit, Ventura rides him worse than a cowboy on horseback. The thing is, the, the dynamic between the two of them is that... Uh, Gorilla could always... Gorilla, I don't even think, understood that he was being insulted by Jesse (laughs) and could let it slide and could laugh it off. Or, uh, you know, anyone else that was paired with the body. Yeah. Tony... Tony gets into, like, an argument with him No, Tony would just get shut down. Tony would just be, like, silent. Just get totally owned. Like, it was just... (laughs) He was being dominated. And what... the irony here is a couple of years later, guess who shows up in WCW? It's fucking uh, Jesse the Body. And they work together. They work together well, but Tony was the host, you know. Yeah. It was JR in the body as uh, Tony would be uh, relegated with uh, Magnum TA to the announcer position. Or, or Tony and whoever. Sometimes it'd be Tony and Eric. Sometimes it'd be Tony and, uh, what's her name? Missy Hyatt. Yeah, Tony and Missy Hyatt, like... But this is not to discredit Tony, because Tony, I was watching some of those classic, uh, you know, world championship wrestling, those things from the mid-80s when the Horsemen, and it was uh, him and David Crockett. Yeah. Boy, he was he was on point then. Yeah. So, he had a lot of potential. This was, by the way, you know, WWF didn't hire Eric Bischoff, but gave Tony Schiavone a shot. So, that tells you that... The level of you know that he's above Eric as far as announcing. Have you seen the the the, the broom video? Yeah. Yes, it's amazing that they kept that. I just, I'm pretty sure they keep everything. But it's amazing that they keep everything because I'm the same way though. Like, I know, but I, I'm sorry, but when when whatever happens, if some kind of glitch happens with SoundCloud or Retro Wrestling, 
our shit is everywhere. I'm just not organized like that. The WWF is very organized. Everything's dated. Everything there's always a tape. Everything is yeah. kept. Yeah. I'm just not that. I just can't do it. I can't do. It. I want to be that organized. I really do. I just can't do it. So the video of Eric failing to sell a broom to fucking Vince McMahon is something I would say delete. I won't need that ever again. And they fucking kept it. Twenty years later, use on DVD. Yeah, fucking nuts, man. Yeah, just the shit they keep. Matt Hardy passing out in a promo. Now, now, it makes you think. I would love to go a week through their archives and see the shit that hasn't made air. Right. Yeah. Of te- of tests you know, to work in their archives would be, be phenomenal. It'd be a dream job for any wrestling true hardcore wrestling fan. It would be a, an absolute dream job. Now, Jesse the Body warns Tony because he's the reason that Bobby Heenan got run off the air because they tried pairing the two before, and uh, Tony is the reason that Bobby is no longer a part of the team. Zeus, can Hogan get to him? Probably. And away we go as we recycle the Royal Rumble music, that sex jazz music. They're not going to pay for new music for SummerSlam. And uh, so what you do, it's called Summer... And it's called Slam, so you show Summer, and then you show Slams. It's like uh, the oh, well, it was it was awesome. You had like <laughs> you had like you know kid out there wakeboarding, and you have Nightheart hitting the power slam. You have you know a lady in a bikini, and she's like you know uh, skating down on the sidewalk, and then you have like. Hogan hitting the leg drop. And then, of course. You, you know, it's just all... Summer and slams. Yeah. A man eating an ice cream cone reminds you of the ultimate warrior, of course. It yeah. goes hand in hand. Yeah. The Heart Foundation. Let's get right to it, guys. Fuck any, inter- you know, anymore. Let's get right to it. The Heart Foundation is out first. They are the face Heart Foundation. Jimmy, not no longer part of the Hart family here. No more Jimmy Hart. But he would be on the show multiple times. This is a night for managers. Managers made their money tonight, as almost everyone had a manager. The Brainbusters are out next. They are the tag team champions, but this is a non-title match, which Jesse explains beautifully. Tony says, why aren't they putting their belts up, Jesse? Why don't they? They're the champs. Why wouldn't they do that? Body says, well, of course it was signed before they were the champs, Tony. Duh. (laughs) Just shuts him down right there. First point of the night to Jesse. So Brett gets the heat on the heels before tagging an anvil. Arn misses a tag to Tully and the Hart Foundation just keep Anderson in their corner and beat him down. Sort of like what the Anderson family used to do. Joey Morella disallows a legal tag, Patrick. This is where my referee ears went up. Okay. And I said, okay, the middle rope bullshit, here we go. Here we go. No, no, no. That counts. This tag should have counted. No. What's different than if I just slap you on the back? Why does that count? Both feet must remain on the ground on the apron. You must be holding the tag rope. And you must tag somebody's shoulder, back, or hand. You can't tag their foot. You can't swap them on the ass. You can't none of that shit. So, Joey Morella fucks up here. And he disallows a legal tag, in my opinion. He did a great job, in my opinion. Anderson makes the tag to Tully. Not allowed. So the Hart Foundation just keep beating the shit out of Aaron. 
Tully finally gets a tag, and Anvil works a wrist lock, which is his preferred move of the match. Anvil knows one move for this match, and that is the wrist lock. Don't hit a power slam. No, don't don't do anything damaging. Morello disallows another tag as Tully tags Arn's foot. Now I do agree with you on this one. You can't tag a foot. Yeah, because that means I can hold a headlock in the middle of the ring. And just throw my foot out there for you to tag. No, you gotta drag him to the corner and make a tag. So now Tully is fucked. Anvil no-sells chops from Tully, tags in Brett, who goes right back to a wrist lock. Weasel chance as Bobby is the most overman in this match. Brett shit cans both of the brain busters out of the ring by himself. Arn tries a Vader bomb, a tribute to the late Leon White. Tries it on Brett, but gets knees to the chest. All four men brawl. And Morella, Joey, come on, pal. He loses control. Everything's going crazy. Tully tries a springboard, nothing. Falls into a bear hug from Anvil, who beats him down in the corner. Brett accidentally throws Anvil in the corner as Tully pulls Arn out of the way, so some miscommunication. Tully locks in the camel clutch to Anvil. Anvil hulks up. Tully tags Arn in. Then Arn gets clothesline in the back of the head from Anvil. Brett knees Arn in the back from the apron. And Bobby the Brain is going fucking nuts as he is upset with how this match is going. Brett gets a hot tag and annihilates the heels. Brett hits his second rope elbow to Tully. A snap suplex to Tully, but Arn breaks it up. Tully and Brett collide as they get thrown into one another. Anvil and Arn brawl on the outside. Anvil slingshots himself into Tully. Anvil then power slams Brett onto Tully, which was an awesome move. But Morella is too distracted by Bobby Heenan for a cover. Axe handle and Arn steals the win, and the Brainbusters win the match with the illegal man making the pin. As they use twin magic here, as you know, Arn and Tully. They look so similar. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And uh, Morella, as I mentioned here, did an awful job of officiating. It was exciting, but you could tell Brett was minutes away from being a a breakout star. He was moving at light speed compared to Anvil. And as far as the Brain Busters go, never got a fair shake in the WWF. But they're not WWF wrestlers. That's just... It was... It's a knock against them. It was good to see Southern wrestling still when there was a difference between Southern wrestling and Northern pro wrestling. It was good to see Southern wrestling being shown in... A I'm glad that they got a chance. I really enjoyed it. I I, I, I hate I hate they miss Rick coming in because we could have had the Four Horsemen yeah. in the WWF. Imagine had they still been there when the Steiners came in. I mean, guys that they were familiar with. Hypothetical, since we were all about that. Had had Arn and Tully stayed, Flair comes in. They try to do the Four Horsemen. Who's the fourth Horseman? Who's the fourth? Perfect. And Savage. Gotta go perfect because you need Heenan's gonna be the JJ Dillon. Very true. But you already get you're already getting Heenan for But brain see, busters. by the time all this comes together, Perfect's back's fucked up so he can't wrestle. But I don't think Savage's character fits in with Four Horsemen very business like. Savage is a wild man. Okay. Terry I, Taylor. I can't. I can't do it. Okay. I'm trying to think. Rick Martell, but rebrand him. Don't don't let him do the model bullshit. Let him just be himself. I'd say Rick Rude. 
He's but you've already got Ric Flair. You can't have two Ricks. Yeah. And not Rick Martel. You need a good Oh. Greg Valentine. Oh it's the same character though. It Who? DiBiase. But it's the same character as as Flair. It's the same I've got more money than you. It's yeah. the same thing. I mean Tully was very similar to Flair too, but it's all about seriousness. It's all about this is real to them. No nonsense. Fuck. It is tough. That's to, a tough question, isn't it? It's tough to find a wrestler in early 90s WWF that fits the mold, because I'm not putting fucking Sid Justice in there. No. I'm telling you, dude. Terry Taylor. Take the take away the bullshit and just let him be Terry Taylor. He was if if he was already if he wasn't brought in as a red he almost got Mr. Perfect's character. He did. If he had not been the Red Rooster already, I'd I'd be I'd probably consider that. You know what? Honest well because he was already with him in WCW. Hey. It's Barry Wyndham. Because he comes in for a minute. That's true. He's already there. Just a no nonsense. They have no... That's the thing about W... It's cartoon. They want to drop the ball. That's what I'm getting at. They couldn't... They couldn't have pulled off the horseman gimmick. Couldn't do it. Big boss man if he wasn't a fucking gimmick guy. There's plenty of guys that you could put right, in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they got gimmicks. They're all cartoons. Yeah. And the four horsemen aren't cartoons. Right. The Brain Busters weren't a cartoon team. And that's oh. why they didn't succeed. The Heart Foundation. They weren't a cartoon team. The Bulldogs. But at least they saw value in Brett. Yeah, the Bulldogs weren't a cartoon team. They saw value well, the, in, bull, in Bulldogs. They sort of were because they gave him a Bulldog. <laughs> well, but I mean... They tried their best. Uh, the Hart Foundation got a win, but you could tell that their time as a tag team was coming to a close. That Brett was meant for big things on the horizon. And the Brain Busters were out, yeah. what, the end of this year? Yeah, even though they've got the belts, um, but you could tell. Yeah, they just they had nothing for them. They were about to drop them, Dax and Smash, if I remember correctly. Yeah, or maybe even an Axe and Crush or or Smash and Crush, maybe by then. Mean by God, Jing is with Dusty Rhodes, who gives an awesome promo. Oh my God, I'm glad you said that, cause it is without a doubt a great. It's a great WWF Iconic WWF Dusty promo. He understood cartoon. I am cartoon Dusty now. Yeah. And he hadn't been excited since his day with Sally Gooden. (laughs) (laughs) You know I can dance. You know I can sing. Proved you wrong. He just, man, he nails it. He hits a home run. Tonight, Dusty Rhodes, you're going to be meeting the honky-tonk man, your last-minute thoughts. Ooh, let me tell you about my thoughts tonight. I've been so excited since my first date with Sally Gooden. And besides that, the facts are in. The man said, Dusty Rhodes, I am the proprietor of Heartbreak Hotel. I am the man that wears the blue suede shoes. You can't sing. <laughs> Proved you wrong. You can't dance. We know I can dance circles around you. And now you say prove to me in public, if you will, come and get it in SummerSlam. Excitement galore. So honk it down. Tonight, just a few moments, you get your opportunity to show the public 
that Dusty Rose can't wrestle. And brother, you can mark this one down tonight. I'm gonna kick you, booty! Ha! The I would say almost every fucking time you put a microphone in front of his face, but this one is is one of those memorable special home runs that just. He, him with the with the police hat. He stole on. Boss Man's hat and nightstick. And the AJ. nightstick. Polka dots. And the polka dot. Like, this is an iconic WWF, WWF Dusty. Dusty. And you just remember this image. And so it's just, it's great. Honky Tonk Man is out with Jimmy Hart. No Cadillac tonight. He's just walking to the ring like a bum. Tony marks out for Dusty. You can tell he's an old NWA guy as he comes <laughs> to the ring. With his polka dots and nightstick. Of course, these two dancing superstars have to dance off before the match can start. Dusty tries a bionic elbow, but Honky bails. Dusty messes with Honky's hair, which this is crossing the line for Honky Tonk Man. I love that. When Don't he, touch the hair. I love that. He gets it. He gets him in a side headlock, and then all of a sudden he just lets go and r- runs his hands through his hair and just... May- oh, it's great. Because... Honky gets pissed. Dusty hits an atomic drop. The elbow corner punches. Dusty is the best wrestler at doing the most with the least. He always gets the crowd engaged. Like we mentioned at that WCW pay-per-view, Greed or whatever it was. Greed or Creed or whatever it was. Greed or Sin. He... He just knows. That's what makes him one of the greatest, because he can do the most with the least. He knows what the crowd wants. He knows how to generate heat without... He doesn't need to do... He doesn't need to do Mick Foley diving off of a cage to get a good reaction from the crowd. He just does the most with the least. And that's what makes Dusty He's so awesome. He's the iconic concept of when you have to work hard. If you're a wrestler and you're hurt, back in the day, you didn't fucking... Or if you're just limited, in general. Zeus could take a lesson from this. Yeah. You had to work hurt. If you had to work hurt, because, I mean, you had to get paid, and here it is, you're hurt. You put on one of these types of matches. An entertaining match where you didn't do very much, but you took a couple of bumps and that was it. It... The fun and games and the bullshitting of playing around and the selling of just stupid shit like messing Honky Tonk's hair up or something like that bought you enough time to where you filled your 15 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yet, what? You locked up or touched a t- total of like, what, six times or right. something. And you didn't have to blade. <laughs> you put on a you put on an entertaining match. It, it Was it a five-star match? No. But you were able to do what you had to do to give your body time to heal to come back and put on those five-star the matches crowd later on. Was the crowd entertained, yes or no? Did they That's go home happy? Smiles on faces. You gave them what they wanted, bam. Hit it, go, next. Dusty works an ankle lock for a moment. Kurt Angle is taking notes. The camera zooms in on Dusty's ass for some reason. This must have been a rib on Dusty. It's a big ass. Dusty goes after Jimmy Hart for a minute. But Jimmy drops the megaphone. Honky hits him in the midsection with it. But Dusty, fuck you. I'm not going out with a fucking uh, cheap shot. Kicks out at two from the uh, the megaphone shot. Honky locks in a chin lock for ages. Dusty hulks up just to be knocked back down by Honky. Chin lock to Rhodes again, but Dusty fights out of it, slams him. Honky goes right back to a chin lock. But this time, Dusty misses an elbow. Dusty no-sells some right hands. They brawl. 
But this time, Dusty does his juke and jive, which is, again, play to the crowd. Yeah. You know, I can throw a regular right hand, or I can juke and jive and make it entertaining. Dusty goes crashing into the ref. Jimmy has the guitar. But as typically this happens, he guitar shots the wrong man. He guitar shots his own man, Honky, by accident. Dusty drops an elbow and wins the match. And there you go. The most with the least. Yeah. These And Honky, to give him credit, he didn't do a lot in this match, but he's the same kind of wrestler. The most with the least. He's entertaining as hell. And so, uh, Don't have to be a great technician. No. Just have to uh, get the people going. And that's what they did. Mooney tries to get in a word with Honky, me, but he... Me, 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 me and Silla, we, we done come a, come a long way to... Uh, to, to, to perform t- t- tonight in, in front of the the, the people. Uh, 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 where's the stage? Me, uh, me and Silla, we come out to Lisa Marie. I've got a concert to do. A lot of people here to see me, see me sing, so somebody help me find a stage. Well, I'm a little confused, but uh, not as confused as a honky-tonk man appears to be. But Honky is, uh, of course, suffering from post-concussion syndrome and uh, gives a rambling interview, so we we get nothing from that. <laughs> mean Gene, another hard-working man on this show, is backstage with Demolition and Hacksaw, who has his gimp mask on, and they give a Demolition screaming promo. And... All right, tonight here at SummerSlam, big six-man tag, and I do mean big. These three men are going to be facing the Twin Towers and Andre the Giant. What about an act? It might turn into a six-man brawl because we've got a few wrinkles in our attack. We're going all out. We've gone back to basics, back down into the dungeon, and you're going to see a, a few new wrinkles, right? That's right. Smash. It's just like he said, we went back to basic training. Because it's discipline. In fact, we're out in the Meadowlands parking lot picking up cars, throwing them around because it's going to be 2,000 pounds on the other side and we plan on kicking their sticking teeth in. All right, is, is that you, King? Is that you, Hacksaw? It's not King Hacksaw no more. It's King Demolition. I've got a whole new outlook on life. These two men have trained my thought to one thing. Destroy, attack, and destroy. So Twin Towers, Andre the Giant, you three big men are going down. Oh! All right, let's get back out to the arena for more action. That's, that's all you need to know. Mr. Perfect, no entrance in the ring, even though he's undefeated. He's, he gets the jobber entrance. He's there to take on the red rooster, a man who believes he's a chicken. Mr. Perfect hip tosses the rooster, makes fun of his chicken strut, which is awesome. Rooster fucks up a scoop slam, and Perfect just falls on him for a two count, so a good cover. Mr. Perfect hits one of the best standing drop kicks I've ever seen, and uh, he was in the zone in this match. He, he was, was flawless. He really was. Almost perfect. They brawl on the floor, and Perfect out brawls the brawler, Red Rooster... Perfect Plex, one, two, three, Mr. Perfect wins the match, and you think, man, he is getting the big push. He's on to something. He's bigger and better things ahead. Didn't work out that way. Right. But a great Amen. as much as they as much as the WWF loves to shit on what they did with Goldberg, as much as the WWF loves to shit on what WCW did with Sting or DDP or any of the other people they were building. 
WWF, I dare say, fucked it up with Mr. Perfect here. Oh, yeah. I Later agree. on. I agree. But I want to say right here, right now, what is your opinion of Terry Taylor? A brilliant mind in wrestling. If he wasn't given this gimmick, I think we could have seen a lot more out of him. But he had a long career behind the scenes. And Terry Taylor is one of, and, and this is my personal opinion, Terry Taylor is one of the most brilliant minds to ever be a part of wrestling. He is one of the most brilliant wrestlers to ever lace up a pair of boots. This gimmick didn't work because he thought it was a rib on him that you're giving him a fucking rooster. He's got to be a rooster, and he has to strut around like some fucking rooster. He took it offensive. Well, it's he, not... He took it offensive, and he took it... He, it well, it's him. another thing where Vince is shitting on someone from the NWA. Where, had you just let Terry Taylor be Terry Taylor, he'd have been competing right there, right out of the gate with the IC title... I dare but, say he, I dare say he could have had a he could have had a one off with Hogan. The one thing I'll say though is I cannot imagine the Mister Perfect gimmick being on anyone else besides Kurt Hennig. I he agree with that. I agree. With nailed that. it. He did. Kurt Hennig was born to be a wrestler and was born to be that gimmick. And when he went to WCW, that's when you really saw the drop-off. Is yeah. because when we don't have anything for you... A notable note for Larry the Axe hitting, he wrestled uh, Roddy Piper's first match. So, Wow. For those of you who didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... Kurt Henning was born to be Mr. Perfect in that gimmick. And Kurt Henning is, hands down, one of the most gifted wrestlers of all time. This match only went 321, so I can't say you cut it. And it helps build him to bigger and better things. But it's up to you to make those things happen. And they didn't do it because Hogan nixed it. So, there we go. Because he was meant to win the Rumble coming up. but Was he now? Really? He was. He was in line to win the Rumble. And Hogan said no. The IC champ used to almost certainly be in the main event coming up shortly, but he was one of the first where he just never he never got the shot. Yeah, probably because he knows how to fucking wrestle. That was probably uh, he 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 made Hogan look like shit. Yeah, Survivor Series eighty nine is coming up, so circle your calendar, cancel your Thanksgiving plans. November twenty third, Thanksgiving night, Survivor Series. Be there. This is cut from the network version, Patrick, but this is an infamous moment in WWF history that we are robbed of, because this is Mean Gene. Yes, you exactly know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Tony says, we go backstage to Mean Gene. He's with Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan for an interview about the match with Ultimate Warrior. Take it away, Mean Gene. Standing by now, Gene Okerlund. With Ravishing Rick Rude and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. Well, Jess, I tell you what, we have some tremendous events still to come, including that intercontinental matchup right here during SummerSlam. I don't I don't know what happened to that Gene Okerlund back there, but somebody's chasing him down. I like that. It's about time that bald-headed old man got somebody to interrupt him and cause him trouble. All he does is cause trouble himself. The sign falls down, and Mean Gene says, What the hell? Oh, no. He says, Fuck it! (laughs) 
and they cut away and they go to this wide shot and Tony is like I uh, don't know what happened there some uh, technical uh, difficulties but Jesse is totally like I'm glad someone finally scared that bald bastard he's been getting away with too much for too long just he, he another point for him he, he picks, just knows he knows how to ad lib and run off the seat of his pants and that's what made Jesse Ventura great on a microphone but on the network, we get the actual promo. Rude says he promises necks, legs, and arms. They are all meant to be broken, Patrick. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior has promised that after his match with you tonight, that he will once again wear the Intercontinental Championship belt. You've got to have some thoughts on that, Rick Rude. Well, little man, promises are made to be broken, along with arms, legs, necks, and hearts. Tonight, in all the heat of Summer Slam, I will prove the warrior is nothing more than the ultimate liar and that I am the ultimate intercontinental champion. All right, Bobby Heenan. Also made to be broken are rules, and if we have to, we will break those rules to keep this title. Now, when you made this promise to all your humanoids, all your little warriors out there with their ugly little mushes painted, big deal, tough. Because you lied them and you let them down because you're not going to capture this. But I'll tell you one thing you're going to do. You're going to be doing something different tomorrow. You're not going to have to paint your face because you're going to have a blue eye and a black eye, courtesy of the Intercontinental Champion. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's get back to the arena. And Bobby says he's also going to cheat tonight. Isn't that great? A manager says we're going to cheat tonight. Yep. So we're, we're going to win. The Warrior would actually be the one cheating in the match. So... <laughs> And he also says a great line, Warrior, you don't have to paint your face because we're going to paint it black and blue. I love that line. That is brilliant. I like that. But before that, this is the match I would have cut. The Rock- Really? Yes, this is my, my cutter. Right the here. Rockers. And Tito. And Chico. Tito. Chico taking on the Rujos and the model Rick Martel in a six-man tag. All American Boys is a great song for the Rujos. And um, <laughs> the a- Mountie, uh, Jacques. Jacques. Jacques loves to sing his theme song as he comes to the ring, and he sings this. Yeah. It's, I love that. More wrestlers should sing their own theme yeah. song. All American Boys is great for people from Quebec City, Canada. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Hart and Slick. They get double managers. Well, Slick works with Martel. So, right, uh, every, gotta have them all. They've all got their manager card. Tito uh, needs to call his costume shop as he's still got his Strike Force boots. He is not over the breakup. He's still got his fucking Strike Force boots. They've been broken up, what, like two years at this point? Tito still worked in the same year. Tito never changed. What do you mean? He never changed. He worked in that year. Change your boots. He never changed them. He worked in that year. That's that's fucking cheap. I'm serious. That's cheap, though. If I'm in a tag team with you and we break up, I won't have some Patrick Young logo on my fucking boots or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We're done. Right. But he does. He does. He's, he wants a reunion, secretly, I think. I think we should have a reunion. <laughs> a strike force reunion. Well, had that'd Bo- be great for Raw, by the way. Just had Booker T not fucking broken Martel's legs in that match, then dude, yeah, uh, Martel would have been still. He awesome. had a second that that run in WCW. He he almost he was picking up steam. Yeah, very underrated talent. Rick Absolutely, Martel. very very yes. 
Jacques, we'll start with Tito. Tito doesn't fall for the uh, code of honor spot. Where shake, yeah. shake my hand. Shake my hand, it's bad just guy. Just like slap him right across the face. Of course, yeah. He doesn't fall for that. The Rockers double-team Jacques and Ray and just dump all the heels out. Ray hits a nice savat kick to Janetti. The heels get the heat on Janetti in their corner. The Rougeos beat down Chico for a while. Then Martel lays in some stomps. Tito almost wins with a sunset flip, but Martel retaliates with a chokehold. Ray locks in the Quebec crab on Tito, and Jacques drops a knee in his back, but he still kicks out at two. This man won't stop. The crowd starts chanting for a Tito comeback, but the heels keep him from getting the hot tag. This is the story of the match. Tito hits a crossbody for two on Jacques, but still can't get the tag. Another sunset flip from Tito on Raymond, but Tito only gets two. The Rougeos smack into each other, and Tito still wants the hot tag. Sean, who I thought was not going to do anything in this match, finally gets a hot tag and runs wild. I almost thought he was injured because... I was like, is he going to come into this match? What is he going to do? Hits a big back body drop to Martel, a drop kick to Martel, a snap suplex, and Sean is fired up. Hits a top turnbuckle forearm, throws Marty on Martel. Everyone starts brawling. Everything's out of control. The heels get thrown into each other. Uh, Tito hits the flying burrito on Martel. Then Marty pins a Rougeau, and Earl counts it, but Sean is legal, so he stops. He's like, no, you're not the legal man. Martel is the legal man, and Sean is the legal man, so this doesn't count. Marty gets rolled up by Rick Martel, and the faces lose. For some reason, even though Earl or Dave, I forget which one it was. Dave. Uh, what? Dave. Dave, for some reason, understood who was legal a second ago. Now does not. Because he fucked up the finish. And now allows Marty to get rolled up by Rick Martel, and the faces lose, even though Sean was legal. Twin magic backfired here, as he thinks that Marty and Sean somehow look the same, and he cost the faces the match. Yep. And this is why I would have cut it, just because it was calamity, there wasn't enough Sean, too much Tito... Uh, Chico! Yeah, Chico. Um, just a filler match. Just felt like just felt like filler. Didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I love the Rockers. I think they're really great. I love Rick Martel. The rest of everybody can uh, take a hike. Love the Mountie. Don't like the uh, Rougeau brothers. Really? I love the Rougeau brothers. Yeah, just a, a poor officiating. Poor yeah. officiating in the match. And no heat. The... The managers didn't really get involved. You had two managers, and neither Slick or Bobby, I guess they were just chatting it up, didn't well, get I mean, involved. You were going to have pretty much every other match that had a manager. The manager right. was going to be involved. So you couldn't have that happen at every single match every all night long. The match of the night coming up. This is the reason I picked this pay-per-view. It's a recap of the Warrior and Rude feud, which is, of course, as every feud starts, you and me, we have a pose-off. Yeah. And that's what starts it, you know. We compare. You wish you had a body like me. That's yeah, all it is. we compare six packs and pecs, and we do poses, and that's what that's what started it all. And Rude won the IC belt from Warrior with Heenan holding Warrior's legs down. A repeated finish they would do a year later with uh, Undertaker and Hogan. It all began on January fifteenth at the Royal Rumble, the Summit in Houston, Texas, with the Super Pose Down. Right there, look out! Oh, Rey 
finishing with that steel bar just nailed him. There's your winner right there, Monsoon. Look at this is crazy. Let's get somebody in there. Warrior just about out. Look at that most muscular on Rude right there. Look at that. Definition. He's choking him out. There's your winner right there, Gorilla. From there, it was WrestleMania 5 in the battle for the Intercontinental title. Look at Heenan. Grabs the leg of the Warrior. He's holding on. He did it. He did it. I called it, Monsoon. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this bout and new Intercontinental Champion, Revolution Rick Yeah. The Heenan family determined to take down the Warrior, but the Ultimate Warrior had other plans. But the Warrior up first. Yes. Boy, the Warrior earned that one. He really did. And now from behind, Ravishing Rick Rude on top of the Ultimate Warrior. These two men in that Intercontinental Championship, they have really gone after each other. And look at Ravishing Rick Rude trying to get his blows in. And a big pile driver. He wants to take this man down before SummerSlam. He does indeed. And I don't know what the referee's decision is going to be here because this is the aftermath of about after the Warrior had actually won. And here comes the Giant. And look at him. There is a lot of bad feeling and emboding amongst these men. And look at Rude. Of course, he's coming completely fresh. And the Warrior almost spent void of any energy whatsoever. And I do believe Rude is intent on putting this man out of action completely. Obviously, now with Andre out there, this is some sort of conspiracy. Oh. But look at the warrior. Oh, I don't believe it. Where is that coming from? Where is all that strength and energy coming from? He is an incredible athlete. Andre is standing there looking the other way, trying to prevent anyone from coming in. Not paying attention to what's going on. Out he goes. As is customary under his matches, Ravishing Rick Rude gives a real record. But as we see here, this time, he got something totally unexpected. Determined to put the ultimate warrior out. Oh, Heenan's out to psych him out, I bet. The warrior's not playing with a foot.
crazy they would take the belt off Warrior to begin with, but it leads to this great match. So, on Superstars, Rude wants a kiss uh, from a lady, but they ruin this segment on the network because they dub over his theme song because guess what, Patrick? They lost his theme song rights in 2016. Really? I don't know who has them. This, I guess this isn't a Jim Johnston. I guess this isn't a Jimmy Hart thing. So now any Rick Rude thing is going to have this fucking generic porn music over it. Which isn't that different, but it does make a difference. I mean, and it kills the crowd noise. You can't get a reaction yeah. from when you when you dub it over. I, don't, I guess someone wanted more money for it, whoever created it. It's weird that they... I tried to research this a bit, like... I just don't know who created it. It's weird they go to an outside source, you know, because everything's in-house. Like, yeah. it's weird that they were like, oh, this this is the music we need, and they got it from somebody. And in 2016, years after, I mean, Rick Rude passed away, what, 1999? <laughs> in 2016, they decided, yeah, we're not going to pay for that anymore. It's weird. I understand a lot of their other dubs. You know, they're not going to pay for Voodoo Child for Hogan or whatever. Self-high-five. Right, sounds too much like Nirvana. And, and anything WCW, fuck them. You know, they're WCW. Fuck them. Especially ECW, because ECW just well, yeah. stole oh, shit Oh, yeah, they, they they just played copyrighted music. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck. They just stole shit from people. Uh, but this is one, a, the strangest, I think, dub that they do. Uh, so they dub it, they ruin it. So while Rude is waiting for his kiss, Warrior comes down, beats his ass. Then Andre the Giant. Does he figure into this match? No. But he helps beat the Warrior down, and that's good enough. He's one of uh, Bobby Heenan's guys. So. He's okay. a Heenan family member. He is. The Heenan family. Remember, you know the role of the Heenan family, right? For life? No. Stick with me till you go to the top. You don't stick with me, and you're never heard from again. Mean Gene is with Warrior for a Warrior promo. I'll include it here. There's there's no trying to explain it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just seen that amazing... The conditions that I have have already continued to worsen as I have broken loose from all the straight tickets and all the rubber rooms across these weak planets. And you, Andre the Giant, will realize that the power will become the eighth one of the world as we eat you alive. But you, ravishing Rick Rude, as I promised, you will surrender to the gods above as I beat you. One, two, three. Let's go back to the arena. <laughs> Load the rocket ship to fuel. <laughs> Rick Root is out. This week it's SummerSlam Sweat Hogs. He's out with Bobby Hina. Warrior comes out to a big reaction and his typical runny shake the ropes thing. Listen, here are you fat. Out of shape. SummerSlam. SummerSlam sweat hogs. Not his best sweat hogs line, really. Really? He's had much better. The one they include in the video game, Inner City Sweat Hogs, I like that one. Because it's almost kind of racist in a way. Like, it implies that the whole crowd is black for some reason. Because when you say Inner City, yeah. everyone knows what you're talking about, Hulk Hogan. Or whatever, you know, everyone knows. Hulk Hogan, why you gotta, he just got past this. You gotta bring that shit back up, man. Come on. Boy, I read the transcript the other day, Patrick. Ooh, it's rough. For Hogan? At the time it happened, I just knew he used the N-word, and I didn't 
honestly, I didn't research. I knew that it was in the context of Brooke is dating a black person or whatever, but boy, when you read it back, it's harsh. Really? Yeah. I'd love to read it back for you, but it's pretty off awful, so <laughs> that won't be happening. That's something we need to look up after as well, then. Warrior, of course, he is a superhero, so he no-sells a kick to the midsection. No-sells strikes. Clotheslines root over the apron. Then Sunset Flip is, of course, countered by the Warrior because he is a superhero. He press slams Rick Rude to the mats. If I was Rick Rude, I would say I would not be taking that. But Rick Rude is a good guy and took that. The fans fucking loved it, though. This Warrior was so over. Warrior then, moment of the night. Warrior turns heel, belt shots Rick Rude at ringside, and Jesse loses his mind, which I'll include a clip of here. Jesse then rips Tony a new asshole, calling him stupider than Monsoon, because for some reason Tony thinks if it happens outside the ring, it's all legal. Tony, who had been broadcasting pro wrestling since the mid-80s at least, somehow thinks if you do it outside the ring, it's okay. The name of this sport is wrestling. You wrestle inside the ring. This guy's a lunatic. I don't like him. He goes by his own rules. He don't listen to nothing. But Jesse, he's brought all this on himself with Bobby Heenan pulling the leg, with Andre the Giant trying to choke down the ultimate warrior. You got to expect a guy like the warrior to take matters to his own hands. And that means out to the floor, hit him with the belt. This should be a disqualification. That's a disqualification. Where the hell is the referee? That's outside of the ring, Jesse. So what? As much, it can just be a count out here. What are you going to tell me, Shivani? You can shoot somebody outside the ring as long as it's outside the ring? Well, no, that... You know, you're even dumber than Monsoon. I thought Gorilla was the stupidest guy alive. Right to the head. There is no question that fans are on their feet here. This is ridiculous that Joey Morella is allowing this to take place in an Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Why didn't the ref call for the bell? <laughs> it's it's not the plan finish, Patrick. I don't give a fuck. I know. Because uh, who, who was the ref? Joey Morella again. Really? Yeah. Okay, well then it And Jesse, Jesse wanted Joey Morella fired on the spot for yeah. fucking this up. Yeah, because here's the deal. You're the authority figure in that ring. Okay? You see something you know is blatantly breaking the rules and it happens in front of you? DQ. Because if you don't, whether it's the finish or not, then your authority means absolutely shit to those fans. And if your authority means shit to those fans, then the the show, the match, as a your credibility drops, but also the referees of that show's credibility drops. It's like, well, fuck, they're just going to do what they want. Well, here's my defense for... Look, I totally agree with you. I think he should have called for the bell. Because we treat this as a sport. The rules are the rules, and the rules are the rules are the rules. They didn't have a weekly TV show. They couldn't just correct it on Raw the next night. You know. Everything was all taped. So? Boy, you're a, you're a stickler here. Yeah. But if also... I was Vince, and that happened, and that some bitch walked through those curtains, back to gorilla position... He's fired on the spot. Get your shit. Get the fuck out. But also, it's in Warrior's character to be crazy. He doesn't understand rules. Then he has to pay the consequences. 
But also, what happens in the main event with the cheating, it plays into later on. To, bad officiating is oh, one well, of I've the things. Oh, I got a lot to say about the main event in that aspect, too. Hogan is a shit baby face, but we'll get to that in a minute. But if you had a show tomorrow night that was live that you could just flip it, I'd ring the bell. But I understand that this isn't that era. It turns him heel by him hitting hitting him with the belt. Yeah. But he did it. And it can't turn rude face. <laughs> I can't feel sympathetic to Rick Rude who just told me I'm a fucking SummerSlam sweat hog. So I can't have two heels coming out of the match. So, but... Jesse and you and me and everybody that fucking watched this is 100% right. This is the end of the match. You just fucking belt-shotted. Not even... We get into gray areas about Hogan and his fucking weight belt in WCW. Because that's a part of his uniform, I guess, is why we let it slide. I would DQ him for it. But a title belt, a foreign object, that's the end of the match. Yeah. Congrats. That's no different than grabbing a chair and... It's not a part of the ring. It's not. It's well, not it's the ring steps. Uniform than what Sting's baseball bat's legal too. Build weapons into your uniform. Body says Warrior doesn't know how to wrestle in the ring. This is a shoot comment. As Warrior slams Rude on the ring mats again, Warrior then hits a double axe handle and Rude kicks out at two. Warrior whips Rude to the buckles and man, he se- he sells his ass off for Warrior here when he gets thrown to these buckles. It looks like he just got cracked with a fucking sledgehammer. Then he gets a scoop slam for two. Another snap suplex for two from the Warrior. An inverted atomic drop to Rude as Warrior then mocks him. Warrior does the Rick Rude pose. Fuck you, pal. Don't you dare besmirch my precious Rick Rude. Then drops Rude on his ass. Warrior climbs to the top turnbuckle, but Rude crotches him and Warrior just falls to the ring. Snap suplex Warrior for two count. Rude then puts Warrior in a camel clutch. Tries the Rude Awakening, but Warrior powers out of it. So Rude says, fuck that, I'll just put you to sleep with a sleeper. Warrior gets out. Morella, Rude, and Warrior then all collide as they smack in the middle of the ring. Heenan tries to wake up Rude. Warrior hulks up while Morella is still napping. A back body drop to Rude followed by clotheslines and a power slam, but there's no ref to count the fall. Morella is still out as Warrior pile drives Rude. Morella wakes up, but Rude gets a foot on the rope, so he saves his title. Get a running power slam from Warrior. He tries the Warrior splash, but Rude gets the knees up. He's countered the Warrior's finisher. Rude then tries for a pile driver. Now, this pile driver turns into a gonzo bomb and nearly kills the ultimate Warrior. <laughs> This only, of course, gets a two count because we're dealing with a superhero. This is the finish of the match. If anyone is actually legitimately into wrestling, this would be the finish of the match. We get Weasel Chance. Rude climbs up to the top turnbuckle and Warrior fucks this spot up because this is clearly a spot where Rude is supposed to come off the top and get countered with something. So, as Rude is about midway through the air... He's like, Warrior's not doing anything. (laughs) What am I supposed to fucking do? So he jumps off the top turnbuckle and delivers the lightest punch I've ever seen from a top turnbuckle. And it was just weird. Then Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is retired, by the way, at this point, comes down to the ring. Or so you think. He comes out of retirement. (laughs) 
a lot. He does. <laughs> he is the Terry Funk. He's Terry Funk is taking notes at home. We get a pile driver to the Warrior from Rude, but Warrior kicks out at two. The crowd is on their feet for Piper. They fucking love this guy. Rude, though. I love this. He wants to show Roddy Piper what a real sexy man looks like, so he gyrates and he rubs his abs. But then, as what happened in last week's review, the ultimate ultimate insult. Piper moons Rick Rude, which is... The equivalent of taking a powerbomb through multiple tables in pro wrestling. So Rude is shocked by the sight of bare ass cheeks. Warrior hits a German suplex off the second rope to Rick Rude, who must have been drunk when he agreed to this spot. (laughs) Shoulder tackle, press slam, Warrior splash. One, two, three. Warrior gets his icy belt. But the fans loved it, and... Man, Rick Rude, God bless you. God bless you, Rick Rude. You made this man look like a fucking behemoth. He worked his ass off. He did things. He allowed Warrior to do things to him that no sane person would do. Might be a reason Rick Rude's no longer with us. The Warrior's no longer with us either. But look, Rick Rude, I'm sorry. This was just... I just... This was the reason I picked this pay-per-view, because Rick Rude was the best opponent the warrior ever had and it's it's not about your performance it's it's about how you make your opponent look when you're going to lose that's really the tell of a great wrestler and my god he took one of the the worst wrestlers in the world and made him look phenomenal so i think this is one of the best matches I've seen in, in early 90s WWF when match quality wasn't really, you know, top of their game. This is just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. What absolutely. Is- I agree. I absolutely agree that you need to. It makes, it shows the abilities that Rick Rude had. It shows the abilities of what Rude was capable of doing with the talents of being able to do so much with so less. I mean, I put him up there with with the you know the likes of Dusty Rhodes and and things like that is, and if you but like, he was good in the ring. If you like but, this match, you ought to see their cage match. I think this is better than the cage. Match. Really? Because I thought when I when I had my pick last week, it was tough for me to pick between the two, but I think this is better. Yeah, and. That's no. It's really Warrior's only real title defense before he drops it. Basically, is is Rick Rude is his one opponent. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just think this is outstanding. Another match though, where I think Bobby Heenan should have gotten involved a little bit. Rick Rude, Rick Rude didn't wrestle like a heel. Mm. Warrior wrestled like a fucking heel. Because he belt-shotted his opponent. Well, I mean, technically, Rude's the winner here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we got to go back to the belt shot, you know. But I absolutely love this match. This oh, is, it's an outstanding match. I Would you say it's match of the night? Oh, by, by far. Leaps and bounds, this is match of the night. You said you had two match of the nights, do you? Oh, no, I had two that I might have cut, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have two, because... Coming up. 
Next. Your boy, yeah. Um, my one knock against Rick Rude, his airbrush tights. Not on fleek tonight. He usually has great airbrush tights. You didn't like the crying warrior face? No. Really? No, just didn't do it for me. Really? No. So, Jesse, the body. Jesse, the body Ventura just gives out about Piper, how he, you know, cost Rude the match. But there's no time to celebrate with Ultimate Warrior, even though they should have stuck on this shot because the crowd was just loving this. He was fucking grandstanding, hot dogging all of this up. Time to cut away to Sean Mooney. For no fucking reason. Sean Mooney is in the middle of the crowd. I'm like, is he going to talk to a fan? No. He just says, wow, that was outrageous. What the fuck was that? That was a waste of time. We go to Mean Gene with Mr. Perfect. It's a revolving door of Mean Gene interviews as they must have all been lined up waiting to go. This is brilliant. I love this. All right, some celebration taking place out of the Meadowlands Arena tonight. We see some happy faces and some not quite so happy, including this man. Come on in, Mr. Perfect. Kurt Hennig, earlier on, you were victorious here in SummerSlam. There's never been anything like it before, and there'll never be anything like it again. And I'm referring to Mr. Perfect. Red Rooster, you're a perfect example of everybody in the World Wrestling Federation. And I want everybody to listen up right now. Red Rooster, you are a stepping stone, and Mr. Perfect, he does what he says he's going to do, and I did it, and I defeated the Red Rooster. One, two, three. All right, I thank you very much. Uh, we're taking a look right now at a little videotape replay. There it is. You've got him hooked up. Oh, here comes that perfect plex. Is that correct? You remember this, and everybody remember this. Nobody beats Mr. Perfect. Nobody. All right, those are the words of Mr. Perfect as we continue with SummerSlam live here from the Meadowlands. Here's a man who is back in the World Wrestling Federation and back in a big way. Rowdy Roddy Piper, come on in. Bottoms up. A little celebrating for you here, I like apparently. Pete Rose, too. Next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to drive Voyager 3. That's what I'm going to do next. Roddy What's Piper. a Scotsman wear under his kilt? You're not asking me a question like that. How would I know? What? How would you know? His shoes. I can get a little rude myself there, young fella. You want to have a party? I want to tell me something. The Heenan camp, who's running that? George Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner? Is that his name? I think Bobby Heenan is still in control last time I checked. Bobby Heenan, the eunuch of the WWF. Everybody's got to pay the piper sooner or later. You want to play and have fun, rude? And... And now you ain't the champion no more, you know what? I thought you ain't such a... <laughs> good cha- I can't be rude. A good champion I thought you made of my friend, the ultimate warrior, who is now standing out there, the intercontinental champion, and suppose you're going to say it's my fault, you know? And I start thinking to myself, I say, of course it's my fault! Did you think I was going to let you get away with that? Got a bit of a rep myself, you know. Got a little reputation that I got to uphold. You think I ain't dealt with gorillas like you before? It's been wonderful to see you. Couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to eat a garage. <laughs> and I'm going to watch some more of these matches. And, uh... <laughs> gonna get rude <laughs> all right only one of a kind rowdy roddy piper the scotsman is back of the world wrestling federation what is this come on out here for goodness sakes rugged ronnie garvin dressed to the nines this evening for SummerSlam. what's the tuxedo all about well i've got a special assignment tonight 
Wait a minute. You're not going to be a broadcaster. You're not out looking for my job, are you? No, 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 no. Don't worry, Mean Gene. Well, I'll tell you, what. what is the... Can I take a look in the just inside? A minute, just a minute. You have fun Carver, with these I guys. Oh, wait a say. second. I don't want to talk to... I don't want you to interview anybody but me right now. That's how they can allow Rowdy Rowdy Piper to walk to ringside. He's not involved in the match. He has no manager's license. He's got no damn reason to be out there. Everything we worked for and everything is taken from us because he's allowed at ringside. Settle down. Settle but... down for what? That rude... Get somebody bring Root in here. All right, right. Ravishing Rick Root, former Intercontinental Champion. I might Don't you call me former nothing, little man. You saw what happened. I had the Ultimate Warrior beat. There was no way he could come out on top. Then what happens from behind? Who comes from behind? Rowdy, Rowdy, Piper. I thought he was supposed to be at home watching the pay-per-view. Wait a second, let's take a look at the replay. Here, you asked for this yourself, Ravishing Rick. Asked for Rick. what? Asked for what? Well, look, He's in the ring. He's defending his title. Does Piper have a reason to be out there? No. Look at that. Is he supposed to? Look at that. I'm out there wrestling a title match. Roddy Roddy Piper comes in from behind, and he shows his. Wait a minute. Ask Bobby what happened. Wait a minute. He saw it. It's my belt. It belongs to me. I'm getting it back. I don't care if I got to go through Piper. I don't got to care if I go through the Warrior. My belt is coming back to me. That I never demand to happen to a discipline. I athlete. demand to go right back in the ring now. Start the match over right now. There shouldn't be ruling like this. Piper shouldn't be allowed to let to get to go to go. Listen to, to yourself. You're babbling, man. You you've got a game. Control. You don't understand something, do you? Millions and millions of people are watching this great champion wiped out because of Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Ultimate Warrior. Gentlemen, but do we have anything to say? Do we have a chance? Take no. it to President no. Jack Tunney. Take it to where you know where you can take it, pal. This Thank you very much, Bobby the Brain Heenan, former Intercontinental Champion. It's a veritable zoo back here. Stand by as more of SummerSlam continues live from the Meadowlands here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And then comes in Piper. Who was just standing to the side I, waiting. I hope you play this whole clip, by the way. <laughs> God, it'd take like seven minutes. There's like three interviews back to back with the in the same span. Piper rambles. He says, pay the Piper whatever. Piper says he's going to eat a garage, which is bizarre. Then Ron Garvin is here. He's in a suit. He has a special assignment for tonight. Hands of stone. Then Bobby Heenan cries about Rick Rude losing. Then Rude comes in and screams about Piper coming in from behind, which he did not come in from behind. He came in facing Rick Rude and showed him his behind. So Rick Rude was a bit confused about how direction works. We take a five-minute intermission. That's what they say. Now, this was cut from the network, so I would have just loved to see what they played for five minutes here. Probably uh... Survivor Series, No Holds Barred. Oh, they, yeah, they, no holds barred for sure. They they gave a long catch it on pay-per-view this December. Mean Gene recaps the Zeus versus Boncho Man-Hogan feud. Hogan recruited, of course, Brother Brutus. Brutus. This, this recap goes on for ages. Bro. This is the majority of the pay-per-view, I dare say. <laughs> we go back to Tony and Jesse, who's still pissed at Warrior for cheating. Jive Soul Bro brings out the Twin Towers and Andre the Giant. Boy, this is a large tag team. I mean, in terms of mass, this is a fucking fat I, I tag think, team. I think this is why they took the five-minute inter- intermission, because they had to bulk up the ring to carry this weight. 
this I I dare say this is over a thousand pounds worth of of mass. All uh, I'd say seven or eight, maybe. I think they seven think, or eight. My ass, Akeem's three fifty. Big, big boss man's pushing three, and Andre's got to be five hundred. Demolition, their awesome theme song, come out with Jim Duggan. He has America face paint on and his gimp mask. The faces work over Hakeem with strikes. Don't worry. If you like wrestling moves, this match, not for you. Heenan and Slicker with the heels. This match is nothing but strikes. Andre, you can tell this man is in bad shape. God, dude, this Andre looked rough during this match. Smash body slams the Twin Towers about 10 minutes into the match before Andre cuts him off. Hakeem splashes Smash. Duggan hits him with a 2x4 and the faces take the win. This match sucked. But America is always over. So, they got a pop. Uh, this could have been cut. I agree with you. I am shocking to say that a hacksaw Jim Duggan... Axe and Smash, Big Boss Man, Akeem and Andre match. The possibility on paper is this is going to be an absolute outstanding match. Realistically, it should have been cut. Mean Gene is Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Uh, DiBiase says, Snooka eats coconuts and bananas. Okay, (laughs) great, thanks. Ronnie Garbage does the greatest ring announcing he's ever done. For his feud with uh, Greg Valentine and Hercules, I'll have to include it here. Hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin. He doesn't know whether he's coming or going. His so-called opponent. So-called opponent. Well, that's an opinion. A little squeak, poor excuse of a manager. <laughs> a big mouth of the South. Big mouth of the Hart. Here is a man who says he's from Seattle, Washington. He claims he weighs 249 pounds. To me, he looks like he's overweight by 30 pounds. <laughs> How dare him do that as an announcer? This individual who can't take for himself. And when he goes to his wimpy manager for advice, little Jimmy can't give him any. He is the only wrestler I've punk with two left feet. Well, he's talking Where's a lot. Where's the robe with cheap rhinestone? Oh, well, he's really kidding. Can't tell if he's coming or going. Listen to this. Made the biggest mistake of his life when he asked for me to be reinstated. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Well... That just about sums it up. He looks about 30 pounds overweight. <laughs> I just... It was so bad. It, it was, was good. good, yeah. Hercules, by the way. Woo. This guy is on his last legs Ooh, here, too. Damn, he is jacked. I Well, he's not... He looks like he's on an off cycle. He looks like uh, the muscle mass has turned into fat. Well, yeah. This is this is towards the end of Hercules Hernandez before he'd become Super Invader. Still to come. Hercules hits a power slam for two. Hammer tries for the figure four with his hammer jammer, but the Hercules avoids it. Hammer goes for an axe handle, but Hercules stops him. Hercules hits a vertical suplex. Hammer then finish out of nowhere here. Hammer gets a three with the feet on the ropes. Garvin comes in, and despite not being the referee, your winner, in my opinion, the mighty Hercules. 
Yes, uh, Ronnie Garvin changes uh, the winner despite having no authority to do so. Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry, <laughs> Riff. You you told. Oh, I I I was misunderstood. Let me say it again. Your winner by disqualification, the mighty Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> so Hercules Hammer, they brawled and Garvin gets brawled in there and. There you go. Okay. It was. It really was. Ronnie Garvin, this was a great spot for him. Well, he had been, uh, after his retirement loss, he was a referee. He, he was doing all the, the stuff. He was, built, he was on the ring crew. So this was his announcer uh, gimmick. And then yeah. he would eventually come back to avenge his uh, retirement match with uh, Greg the Hammer. But this was funny. It didn't take very long. Whatever. You know, I, I don't have much to say about it. I, you know, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mean Gene, Sherry, and Macho Man are over a witch's cauldron. It's the cauldron of madness as I am transported back to 1980s as we look into our cauldron and we see the future. I'll include most of it here. Ted DiBiase's in the ring. He brags about ending Jake the Snake's career. Would that come into play in this match? No. Jimmy Snuka is out to take him on. Superfly starts fighting him without taking his robe off. Virgil distracts him, but DiBiase decks Virgil accidentally. Atomic drops DiBiase, which he supercells by going to the floor. Man, shot to the dick really hurts this guy. Snuka fucks up a leapfrog spots, and he lands on DiBiase's back. DiBiase hotshots Snuka to the top rope. He suplexes Snuka for two, backbreaker for two, slams Snuka... Does a trust fall looking elbow drop? One of the weirdest looking elbow drops I've ever seen. Where he, he used to do that all the time. Fell back without looking. He would stand up and he would just drop, and that's how that, that was how he did his elbow drop. And it was to watch him connect. It's really entertaining. But mm. Kofi Kingston took notes on this trust fall elbow. Snooker rolls out of the way though, of course, because he wasn't looking. Snooker slams DiBiase. It's a second rope headbutt. Superfly smash attempt to stop by Virgil. DiBiase and Virgil throw Snuka out and get a count-out win. Snuka then gets all his heat back by jumping DiBiase and Virgil. Backbreaker and a superfly splash to Virgil, of course, as DiBiase is too good to take that. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Uh, something for the fans. New York. I understand putting it in there. I would have put it much earlier in the card. Especially, i put it way before Warrior and Rude. This could have been an opener. Sean Mooney is still in the crowd, and guess what? He's excited for the main event. Thanks. <laughs> no shit. Mean Gene is with former brothers Ed and Terry Boulder as they discuss hanging and banging. They parted the Hudson River because Hogan used his pythons, like Moses, to part the river to get to the arena tonight. Brutus is ready to cut. He's got his shears. He doesn't specify who he'll be cutting, but he just wants to let you know that he cuts hair. Hogan had a secret weapon on his Harley Davidson, brother. So we'll have to see who that is. What you're gonna do? I, I love how he's describing Liz. Because it is so sexist. It's funny. 
All right, my guests at this time, two other participants in tonight's main event here at SummerSlam, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the World Wrestling Federation Champion, Hulk Hogan. You know something mean, Gene? Ever since me and the barber hooked up, we've been hanging and banging, brother. And we also been riding our Harley Davidsons through a lot of heavy traffic, dude. But on the way to the Meadowlands today, when we hit the George Washington Bridge, it was in a standstill. So me and the barber, we just looked at each other, brother, and we decided to head for the water, brother. We headed for the Henry Hudson River, and just like Moses parted the Red Sea, that's exactly what happened when the pythons started heading for the river. And once we crossed the river, Mean Gene, everybody on Interstate 95 pulled off to the side. All the Hulkamaniacs with the stares in their eyes, with their jaws hanging, with the dumbfounded looks, couldn't believe the largest arms in the world hanging on to a pair of ape hangers, ready to do battle. They couldn't believe the gleam in the barber's eyes. And we know why, don't we, Brutus? You know me, Gene, <laughs> these are titanium yeah. steel blades. Cut. They will cut through absolutely anything. You know, I love the blades, Gene. <laughs> the blades are part of me. Now, madness, listen up. Because I'm going to make them part of you. I can't believe that, Hulk Hogan. You better believe it, me, Gene. Yeah. But the thing that all those Hulkamaniacs that were stopped on the side of the road couldn't believe was the package I had riding on the back of my fender, brother, with those long, sexy, curvaceous legs that wrapped around me, with the arms that hung onto my waist for dear life, with a set of headlights that were pointed straight ahead, brothers, and the smile of across the secret weapon's face, just like an acre of sunshine. Satisfaction guaranteed. We're gonna take it to him, brother. We're gonna wipe out the macho man. We're gonna destroy Zeus. And then we're gonna get Scary Sherry and put her in her place. What are you dudes gonna do when the barber, the blade, and Hulkamania run wild on you? Get ready for the big main event here at SummerSlam. Wow. I don't even remember what he says about He's legs. talking about her sexy, curvy legs and how he's got her, they're wrapped around him. And then he talks about she had beautiful headlights and all that shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so sexist. It's hilarious. Team Madness. Zeus, Macho, and Sherry are out first. And then Brutus. And, of course, uh, there's a kid cosplaying as Ed Leslie, which is... Of all the wrestlers you want to cosplay as, fucking Brutus the Barber Beefcake, he had to have been a plant. And he is cosplaying. He is Brutus the Barber. Like Brutus. Of all the wrestlers you could, you know, dress as, yes, I would like to be the uh, barber, please. Well, yeah. But of course, Hulk needs his own entrance. I mean, God, of course. Well, Liz needs her own entrance. Well. Hulk gets his own entrance and Hulk grabs the mic from Fink and says, you need to introduce my secret weapon, brah, Miss Elizabeth. And so Fink does, and sure enough, here comes Miss Elizabeth, who would not play into this match until towards the end. And uh, But a, a big surprise, because she is pretty much written off. Big 90s, 80s, 80s hair. hair. Zeus no-sells Hogan's offense while Brutus goes after Macho. Zeus... Chokes Hogan, as that's one of the three or four moves he knows. <laughs> Brutus gets caught in a bear hug from Zeus, 
Bear hugged to Hogan from Zeus with an axe handle for Macho to break it up. Macho Man lands another axe handle. Knee lift to Hogan, clotheslines him, headlocks him. Hulk, of course, Hulk's up from a headlock. Shoulder blocks Macho Man. Zeus cheap shots him. Zeus comes in, puts Hogan back in the bear hug. Hulk gets rammed into the buckle, breaks the hold. Hangman's noose to Hogan from Savage. Then back suplex to Hogan for two from Savage. Brutus gets the hot tag, clothesline Savage. High knee, as he would use as the booty man in WCW. Gets a two on Macho Man. Locks on the sleeper on Macho, but... Macho rams Brutus into the post to escape. Zeus tags in, and Brutus goes back to the sleeper. It worked before, why not? I think Zeus might know more wrestling moves than Ed Leslie in 1989. (laughs) Randy Savage saves him by knocking him out with Sherry's loaded purse. So the heels cheat, that makes sense. Hogan, though, breaks the count, saves the day. Hogan chases Savage around the ring, and the barber is still loopy in the ring from the purse shot. Zeus tags in, chokes Brutus, double-handed choke throw, not a choke slam, and then a corner choke to Brutus. Savage tags in, Brutus and Savage hit stereo clotheslines, they're both down, so we both need hot tags. Hogan gets a hot tag, runs wild. Big boot to Savage, but he rolls out of the ring. Sherry trips Hogan, nearly costs him the match here as they almost get a near fall. Then a macho man elbow drop, and... A sin of all sins as Hogan no-sells the Macho Man elbow drop. No, he Did he do that he, in the Mega Powers he, Explode? He doesn't no-sell it. He practically beats Savage to his feet. No-sells it. Did that happen in Mega Powers Explode? No. Well, it's nothing what Warrior would get out. I mean, he took like, what, seven or something in a few years? Yeah. But still, finishers to me are finishers, and they should be protected. And that's, unless it's a really, unless it's absolutely necessary. And this is a tag match with a movie actor. This isn't even a singles match where I can believe it. And I hate that the company has moved in this direction now where no finisher is a finisher, and I think this all started as much as I love the match from Sean and Taker at 25, where there is no such thing as a finisher anymore. You never know. They're going to kick out no matter what. Yeah. It was a beautiful match. because And because it was so unique at the time, oh my god, he's kicking out of the tombstone. He's kicking out of the super kick. It's every week now. And this past WrestleMania, when Brock Lesnar had to hit fucking six F5s or whatever to, to Roman Reigns. Yeah. It should just be protected. Otherwise, why is it your finisher? Yeah. If I can't finish you, it's just a move. Yeah. It's no... It's Why don't I just body slam you? Because yeah. I... It's just something that bugs me. It bugs me more in this match than some others because it's a tag match. But... Warrior would blow me away a few years later, so. Hogan shit-cans Macho Man and Zeus is now legal. Elizabeth stops Sherry from interfering and uh, winning the match for the heels, but Brutus stops Macho. Hogan has the loaded purse. The good guy is now going to cheat and nail Zeus with the loaded purse from Sherry. Which, by the way, to Zeus's credit, he does not sell. Until Hogan slams him like Andre at WrestleMania 3. 
So, good for Zeus, bad for Hogan, you're a terrible babyface, you always were, and this proves it, you fucking cheated to win, you could have taken it, if you can't beat him right, then you lose the match, you take the hero's exit, or whatever, you beat him in the movie, so you already know how to beat him, that's why I think this should have been a singles match anyway, big leg, one, two, three, surprise, surprise, fucking Hulk Hogan wins a match in 1989, the world is saved once again. And then... Scary Sherry slides in. Of course, if Hogan didn't think he was a bad baby face before, you know what? Beat the shit out of a woman. He hits an atomic drop. And then Elizabeth Dexter. That's fine. Female and female violence is fine. Can't fight! And then, of course, time to grandstand and hot dog for ten minutes as Jesse just gives out. As Jesse is pissed... About how what a dirty heel Hogan is and a dirty cheater. And then, of course, Brutus cuts Sherry's fake hair and everyone parties and whatever. That is it. It's done. It's done. Uh, It's over. uh, There's just so many things to be said about the main event. Don't really know where to start. I got one. So movie magic, you go back, you watch, and that holds barred. They make Zeus look like he's three or four feet taller than Hogan, right? Realistically, they're the exact same size. Wow. Did you notice that in, in the match as well? Never really thought about that. They've got Hogan in the movie, and he's like looking up to him like mm. he's looking at Andre or some shit. But then when they're in the ring together... So they should have put platform boots on Zeus to... to like I said, I, I just think it should have been a singles match. I know that they were building for a rematch in December for a movie that came out in June. Um, I want to see this match. Like, this is... In- <laughs> so much better uses for Macho. To me... Better the- uses for Beefcake, too. Beefcake has no use other than hosting the barbershop. Um, See, I disagree with you. But. Yeah, well, Ed Leslie is shit. The end of Mega Powers Explode should have been the end of him as a heel and make him a baby face. You've got great heels in Rick Rude, uh, Mr. Perfect coming along. Uh, when Flair arrives, you have all these great... I mean, and they do get there. But you have all these great matches. I don't think... And and I understand the reason they put him in there is because, oh, Zeus can't wrestle. So we need to put him in there with somebody. But five minutes. A guy that can... Great Kali, Giant Gonzalez. A lot of people have been able to stand there and take five minutes. I mean, we saw one. We saw Uncensored 96 or whatever with Z Gangsta. This is actually the second Zeus appearance we have in our uh, library here. You can be a mobile... And like we said with Dusty well, Rhodes... Well, Gangsta had, uh, had some uh, big old arm backup there. He had Jeep Swanson or whatever, so. yeah. Um, but like we said with Dusty Rhodes, you can get a lot out of somebody that doesn't have a lot of offense. Yeah. If you make it... Inter- and Hogan's entertaining. Yeah. Hogan doesn't need a great wrestler to spar with. In fact, he really shouldn't because it makes him look bad. And Zeus can stand there, no sell, get the big man off his feet, body slam, big boot, big leg. 
I got a problem with Hogan eye-raking him every fucking five minutes. Well, the purse shot. The eye-rake. Attacking Sherry. You can't beat a woman. You're not only a baby face, you're the top baby face. You're not some sort of tweener. That was a tweener. beefcake to do. Yes. While Hogan's hot dog. Because he's going to cut her hair anyway. He's going to cut her hair. Beefcake, Atomic drops her. She smacks her with the purse. Beefcake grabs the shears, cuts her. That's the only reason he was doing it was because he, you know. So, overall, this is a, uh, overall, this is a tough card for me to rank because I love 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 the warrior and rick rude match and there's some other bright spots a lot of the other matches are so short that it really doesn't bother me that much hate the main event hate the main event so much don't care much for greg valentine but it only took three minutes so who cares uh hated the six man boy that six man it only went 723 but it felt like an eternity uh did like that uh perfect territory did like that Duggan put on the face paint. That was cool. That was cool because he's part of a team. This is something I complain about all the time. If you're part of a team, dress like you're. Part but he of kept it. He kept it the American flag, so he stayed with. He stayed, he stayed within his own character, but was a part of the team. Right. Yeah. The Rujos and Rockers was passable. Perfect and Terry Taylor. Well, perfect was to get over. I mean, that was just to get perfect over as a killer. And Dusty Rhodes, I gotta say, Dusty Rhodes, like I said, that was entertaining. I mean, I have no complaints about Dusty Rhodes and Honky Tonk Man. And Heart Foundation and Brain Busters, I still think was a great match. I don't. I think the Anvil really. I think. Well, the the heels didn't wrestle enough like heels in that match, and Anvil slowed it down. I don't have any problem. On my side, I don't have any problem with any one of the matches on the card. I thought it was an up-down, great card. Um, the alignment, I would have lined it up a little bit better. Yeah, I would have flipped DiBiase and Snuka to the opener, actually. Okay. And, but since that was that was purely there for the New York crowd, um, and since it was a fuck finish... So why why give him a clean finish to start? It is a good SummerSlam. Is it yeah. SummerSlam 2002? No. The main event really drags it down for me. So, okay. So on our rating scale, from Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you put this? I'm going to give this one an Akeem the African Dream. Akeem the African Dream. I'm going to stick with right there with you. I'm giving it a big boss band, so we're Twin Towers. Yes, never forget. Uh, so yeah, that was SummerSlam 1989. A uh, they were cartoon characters. Uh, if you're looking for match quality, I don't think you're gonna be. You're gonna be entertained, but you're not gonna be entertained by what happens in the ring for the most part. Uh, outside of the Warrior match, and that's all Rick Rude. Uh, and the, the main event is just to me a disaster and a waste of Randy Savage, but. I think the rest of it, it's an easy watch. Uh, they spend a lot... A lot of the time is wasted on promos for the Zeus match. So, really, this three-hour show could probably be cut down to about two with all the filler and all the bullshit. Uh, but that's uh, SummerSlam 1989. And I already know where we're going next week because we've already arranged it. So. We have. 
and it's your pick, so we're going to have a big shake-up here at the Retro Wrestling Podcast, and your pick will be reserved until next week, Patrick. The pick system is temporarily suspended, as uh, you will have the next pick, but this week, our Twitter follower and Facebook follower, Michael Vincent, uh, wants us to do an ECW show, as you wanted to do as well. Uh, so this kind of counts both ways. I'm going to give you a second one. I'm going to be generous, and you'll have next week's pick as well. But what show did you want to do from the Land of the Extreme? From the Land of the Extreme, just for Michael Vincent, we are going to go all the way back to the year 1997. We are going to go all the way back to see Hardcore Heaven, where none other fits right in line with Nothing more than you, you sweaty, out of shape, ridiculous, worthless piece of crap as an announcer will have to sit side by side, Joey Styles, with none other than the legendary Ravishing Rick Rude on commentary, doing play-by-play for this whole pay-per-view. You will see in the main event a triple threat, Shane Douglas taking on Sabu and Terry Funk. You will also see where ECW and WWF collide when Tommy Dreamer faces Jerry the King Lawler. And you're going to see none other than Rob Van Dam face off against Al Snow and Bam Bam Bigelow takes on Spike Dudley. And last but certainly not least, Taz taking on none other than no gimmicks needed, Chris Candido. All right, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing lines of clothesline. Bingo, bingo.